Bernie and Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Paulie, Shell, happy election day. It's an important election, P, especially the gubernatorial candidates. There's a lot at stake. Look, all I'm saying is that crime is out of control, and we need leaders who are going to stop it. Someone's got to do something. Someone's got to step up and be in charge and end this insanity. It's about common sense, human decency, and living in a civilized society. We're taxpayers, for God's sake. We deserve to be protected. Innocent people are getting hurt, not to mention getting shoved in front of trains. I've never seen this happening to such innocent people. It's not like they had it coming to them, T. They did nothing wrong. It's sad, T. It's like they're giving timeouts to violent offenders. There's no timeouts when you violently assault someone. You said it right. You do the crime, you gotta do the time. Oh! It's Consulieri. I have to remain impartial. But I will say this. Somebody's gotta do something to stop this violence. It's like everyday people gotta go to the mattresses. It's out of control. Something's gotta change. It's disgraceful. As the great Bernard McGurk once said, the inmates are running the asylum. What the heck is going on? And as Al Pacino once said in City Hall, the movie, This is your city, our city, New York City can be a palace again. The greatest city in the world. Now go out and vote. Hi, I'm Rob Magnotti. My condolences to Bernard McGurk's family and friends. Thank you, Bernie. We miss you. Please visit my website at robmagnotti.com on the web and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I love the Bernie and Sid show. Amazing stuff right there. Rob Magnani doing every voice. Jimmy Gandolfini, Stephen Van Zandt, the late great Tony Sorico, all of them. Al Pacino in the Sopranos Election Day bit. So a special thanks to an old friend of mine and Bernard, Rob Magnati, who actually performed at the very first two ever Bernie and Sid comedy nights going back many years ago. We'll play that again later on today. Thank you, Rob Magnati. It is, in fact, Election Day. Back here on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City. That is me, that is us, and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. We've got four great guests today. Megan Kelly makes her debut on this program today. Looking forward to that later on. But I am really fortunate this morning to have two people that I really like. Like, I, I legitimately like these people. I reached out to both of them. I said, would you like to come in on Tuesday morning and spend the morning with me and talk about the election? And without any hesitation, both said yes. I've got one Republican and one common-sense Democrat. The Republican, of course, is a guy that's become 
one of my best friends. He's here all the time lately. That's because he's great. And that is Andrew Giuliani. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Sid. Great. Hey, Laura, I got to ask you a question yeah, right off ahead. the bat. Yeah. Does he actually say that he likes me behind my back and not on the radio? <laughs> he because actually he actually does. says that about you. Yeah. Uh, no, okay, good. He I just, just want to make sure. Sato Vacha is really nice things about you. The stuff that he says about Lou behind his back. Oh, my yeah, God. Well, he God, deserves all that, to I be honest. Imagine. I'm that's, used to it, though. Yeah, yeah it's true. The female voice, of course, is a former Nassau County executive and now podcast and radio star here at WABC, my friend Laura Curran. Good morning, Laura. How are Good you? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for asking me You're here. You're welcome. Good to have you both. Let's get right to the uh, the candidates, what they're feeling today. Uh, Andrew, you just had that primary run against Lee Zeldin, running for governor today. You, Laura, you won the executive seat and had a tough loss to a very good man, Bruce Blakeman. But a lot of that was not uh, your fault. It was really, to be honest, Todd Kaminsky. So both of you guys have had uh, losses recently. You in the primary, you in an election. Mm. We'll start with you, Laura. Um, what do you feel on a day like today? It's funny because I, having been through a few election cycles, I have this muscle memory of excitement and adrenaline coursing through my brain. It's like my head's going to explode. How is this going to happen? Did everything go right? Um, but it's nice now to be on the cheap seats, commenting, telling everyone what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. It's much easier when you're not doing it yourself. Uh, but it's an exciting day. And the thing about Election Day, I don't know if it was like this for you, Andrew, but it felt like it went on for 48 hours. Yeah. It just goes on and on and on. It's like, it's only 6 o'clock? Are you kidding me? But could you even sleep the night before? Like I've heard quarterbacks talk about how they can't sleep before the Super Bowl. And I often say in this realm where we are right now, I'm not at FAN anymore, this is our Super Bowl. So you've got to be like the quarterback. Can you even sleep the night before? I oh, I can always sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, you, Andrew, you just took on Lee Zeldin, who was, of course, running against Kathy Hochul today, ran a very good race, came in second, beat out impressive candidates like Harry Wilson and Rob Astorino. Yeah. Here you are this morning. What were you feeling on that day, that primary day, just a couple of months ago? Uh, optimism. Obviously, it's one of those things. And this is the interesting part about it. You know, the old traditional advice was by by the time election day is there, you kind of sit back, you cast your vote, and you you sit back and do anything. I just couldn't sit back and do anything, so I did about seventeen different stops on election day. Obviously, did not necessarily up. It was all in the city, so we did well in New York City. So maybe it pulled out a few extra votes here and there. Uh, but I have to tell you, one of the things that makes me optimistic today is one of the pollsters that actually called me up about 10 days before my election and told me exactly where the race stood, which is that Lee was up double digits on me. He was the only pollster that actually gave me that information, uh, is very optimistic from the Zeldin perspective considering where the early votes and the absentee votes are. That's two of the three different ways, obviously, that we can vote in New York State, the other being in-person on Election Day voting. Uh, and basically what he's saying, and the, and the New York Post covered this a little bit today, so it's definitely an article that's worth a read and we can break it down, uh, but it looks like that early voting and absentee voting is less than 40% of the total that it was in 2022. I'd be interested to see actually where it is compared to the 2021 races. But what he's saying is because, and he's looking specifically at New York City, the lower that number is, the less a percentage Lee Zeldin needs in New York City, right? Less total votes that he needs to make up. And he's looking at it and saying that Lee Zeldin might only need about 33% of New York City and not clearing that 35% number because early voting is down. When I speak to folks on the street, uh, they say to me, listen, we think Lee's got the momentum. We know Lee is on the right side of all the issues. Quite frankly, Kathy Hochul ran a lousy campaign, talked about Donald Trump, talked about abortion, which again, nothing's going to change in New York. 
But even the staunchest Lee Zeldin supporter that I've spoken to, very anecdotal, still thinks he loses today because the numbers in this state are just too overwhelming. He'll make it close, which uh, there are no moral victories here, but he'll make it close. But even the staunchest Lee Zeldin supporter feels like he loses by just a hair. What are your thoughts on that? Well, this this pollster, I I thought that going into... Uh, the weekend that Zeldin was still down a couple of points that he needed to make up. Uh, this pollster seems to think that where the early voting numbers are, where the absentee voting numbers are, that Zeldin actually is in a good place to win this thing. Wow. Uh, and he was honest with me where my race was. He was the only one that told me going into my election day uh, that I was going to finish in second. Uh, I think he was honest with Curtis, telling Curtis that he was going to probably lose oh, by about 30 points. That was easy. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, what you what a prognosticator. Right. You've got to be Brent Musburger it, to fill that. <laughs> it's tough to be honest with the candidate because there's a combination of you yeah. want that optimism through the campaign. Sure. You want your candidate firing on all cylinders. The last thing you want to do is miss time when you tell that right. candidate. And also it's a matter of, well, look, can I really change actually the strategy? And I think this is one of the things the Hochul campaign is dealing with. The strategy has really been based off of uh, Trump, January 6th, and abortion. They haven't really talked about crime. They haven't talked about, or at least not effectively, well, guns. about they the do economy. Talk about guns. Huh? About the, about yeah, the economy. That's all she but, talks about. But legal gun owners are right. not necessarily the right. illegal weapons. And, and I right. think in looking at that and looking at the recent polling, that's 48% of New Yorkers that say their top two issues are the crime or the economy. And until the last week or so, she hasn't really touched on that, oh. at least effectively. All right, so mm-hmm. Giuliani's taking Zeldin plus the points. Uh, Laura Curran, what about <laughs> I'll you? take him outright. I'm taking a money line. I'm going money line on Zeldin today. So I, I I wonder if my job today is to be a bit of the wet blanket. Uh, I did. That look, is your job. Your job is to be honest. Yes. So I looked at five thirty eight this morning. Uh, according to that, Zeldin has a five in one hundred chance of winning. Okay. So they look at all of the polls. They mush them all together and come up with this formula. However, there is an un uh, an unusual occurrence that happened this morning. It was a, it was called a blood moon eclipse. Oh yes, at five seventeen. That's right. And someone texted me this morning. Well, if that's not a sign of a red wave, <laughs> <laughs> it's not known to have ever happened on election day before. Who well, knows if that has anything to do with it? Uh, something that's interesting. I mean, I consistently thought that Hochul would win just because of statistics, the numbers. It's impossible for her to lose. However, I've had some conversations over the past 24 hours with some folks who know things, and they're starting to sound worried. They are worried. Yeah. yeah. They're starting to sound well, I mean, a little like, hmm, maybe, right. we, maybe right. we won't right. eke it out. And I've... it really depends. Like you said, it's the path for Hochul is in New York City. Yeah. If people vote in huge numbers in New York City, that's it. Because he's killing it on Long Island. Yeah. And, of course, we all know about upstate. Yeah, no, he actually said he needs at least uh, 30 to 35 percent of the vote in New York City to win this. And we'll see if he gets out talking about. And and his vote, like, you know, he's motivated the Orthodox Jewish community and other communities as well. And and they come out and vote in a block. No question. And Staten Island's early vote numbers are record setting right now. Are they? They, They've done. Now, look, Staten Island, we always talk about. And and Staten Island is I love Staten Island, but it's still only three, four percent of the New York City population. Uh, but you look at the Bronx's numbers, and the Bronx is way down. As a matter of fact, Staten Island almost surpassed the Bronx in early voting numbers, and they have a third the population that wow. they do. I know we're getting deep into statistics wow. right now, stuff, but this is this is uh, you you talk about kind of what you're thinking and how I break down races. I really try to get deeper into these numbers and figure it out because the truth is. We're, we're just trying to make educational guesses exactly. now at this point. We the good don't news know. Is, we have. Well, hopefully we'll know tonight. Hopefully. There's a lot of folks who also think we're not going to find out tonight. I don't think that's going to be the case. Maybe in Georgia. Talking about Long Island, four seats have the real opportunity to flip 
here in New York. You look at the Santos race, you look at the Molinaro race, the D'Esposito race, and the Lawler race. Four seats, that's an awful lot. What about that, Laura Carlin? So, uh, so there's there's Zimmerman versus Santos. Right. Uh, that's looking 50-50. There's Gillen, my friend Laura Gillen, who's running to be my congressperson, who I think is wonderful, very much a common-sense Democrat Yeah, it's funny. Like me. You mentioned her to me on Friday when I was at the Expo with Danielle. My wife saw a commercial for Gillen. Yeah. Said, I kind of like this lady. Yeah. Uh, she comes off as a very moderate, common-sense Democrat. Yeah. You She's not going to win, but, but Danielle liked her, too. So She could. <laughs> Again, it's all about turnout. Uh, but your wife has good instincts. Uh, she married me. So, and then the other open seats. So there are four congressional seats. Three are totally open. Rice, mm-hmm. Swazi, and Zeldin. Right. And those are purple districts. So the balance of Congress could be on Long Island. Yeah. How I the Congress be. goes could be, could be decided be. on yeah. Long Island. I think... I think Garbarino does well. He he's, wins. He's an incumbent. He wins. And Nick Lolota wins that Zeldin seat easily. I think so. Yeah, that's Just an easy because win. Zeldin will bring out that And Anthony D'Esposito is going to win, too. He's going to win, I'm telling you. We'll see. We'll see. We'll All see. Right. We'll so see. How, what does Hochul need to do from a numbers perspective in order – like, how, what does her margin of victory need to be in order for these congressional races to go Democrat versus Republican? Well, that's such a great question. She really needs to pull out the Democratic vote. Right. It, for those folks to win because they're they're saddled to her for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some I know there's some frustration around that. Uh, and also the the political organization on Long Island, the Republican organization, especially in Nassau County, is very strong. They yeah. get their people out in a way that the Democratic organization isn't as strong. I right. saw it in our primary and Zeldin was able to just drive up the vote in Suffolk and in Nassau. And it really it, it kind of uh, we were able to do very well in New York City. But Suffolk and Nassau. He was able to absolutely destroy us, and mm. I think he's going to do mm. a great job tonight there. We'll see. Uh, Jesse Waters had me uh, watching his show last night. I, one, day, one day I like Jesse, the next day I don't. It's a whole, uh, it's a weird uh, relationship between me and Jesse. But <laughs> I enjoyed his show last night, and he was really enthusiastic about these Senate races, throwing out numbers like 53. Hey, if we steal New Hampshire, maybe 54, maybe 55. Carl Rove sits down and goes, Jesse, Jesse, calm down. 51, 50. 52 more likely. Uh, all these big Senate races, we're talking about obviously Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, uh, and I guess New Hampshire. What number do you think, Andrew Giuliani, is most realistic? I think it's 53. I think 53 looking at these that's races, a big night. That's a big night. I, I think it's 53. I think looking at it, it is a big night. And, and I think one of those races, one of those 50 50 races, I think Republicans will lose. Amazingly enough, in, in talking to a few people in Pennsylvania, uh, they seem to be more worried about that Oz race than any of the other Senate senatorial races on the Republican Who is, side. Democrats or Republicans? Republicans. Really? Republicans yeah. for Fetterman, mm. which to me is, is shocking after that debate and obviously where Fetterman stands. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be a good night nationally. I think you look at the, the top issues, and I think they're they're on Republican sides. And, and as we know, uh, generally, whoever the party in power is, there, there's right. an absolute— a uh, big push against that. Yeah. And that's why well, I not with Trump, though. Actually, I don't know what. Uh, actually, not Donald about. Trump. The numbers were not horrible for Trump. Obama and Clinton, the Republicans, kicked ass. Not the other way with the Democrats. Not with Donald Trump. Fifty-three is his number. What's your number, Laura? Oh boy, I, I was going with fifty-one Republican. I think I'm going to go to fifty-two. You are. I'm uh, yes. I'm yeah. changing my bet. 52 is a good number. It's not well, a good night for you guys. <laughs> no, I, I think this is going to be a rough night. I think it's going to be a real wake-up call 
Well, is this if this goes the way you expect it to, 52, you say 53, I also think at least 53, is that not, to a certain extent, Laura Curran, a referendum on Joe Biden? It's so funny that you say that because he always is saying this is not a referendum, it's a choice. Uh, I think in New York, it could be a referendum on one-party rule, depending on how it goes. Uh, and I think you could say this for Republicans or Democrats, if there's one party in charge... They go too far, and it's not good for the party, and that the pendulum swings back, and we could have that happening right here in New York. The guy that you spent uh, four years working with inside the White House, your good friend Donald Trump, uh, if and when the Republicans have this monster night tonight, outside of DeSantis beating Chris, because now he hates Ron, Ron DeSanctimonious, as he I calls I love that him. nickname, by the way. It's it's I, I got to hand it to him. It's yeah, brilliant. It's, Trump, Trump is pretty good. Uh, how much credit will Donald Trump take tonight if, in fact, we see this red wave? What credit will he allow anybody else to take, <laughs> I guess, is the proper question. I think that's the proper question. And I think just look at the Ron DeSantis thing, right? I mean, I, I'm actually uh, probably on... Thursday or Friday, going to go down with my wife for a couple of days to Florida, take a little bit of a break over here. Yeah, and but guess, you're not going to see what? Ron. You're going to Mar-a-Lago to see we're, Trump. We're, we're not going to see. That's true. We're, that's true. <laughs> well, but what, I was the, assuming DeSantis one, there. <laughs> one of the things that we love so much, and I think this is where the you know the Trump voter that uh, that obviously supports President Trump, that likes President Trump, really wishes that President Trump wouldn't go in and start you know start a fight with probably the most effective governor. Now I know that Trump feels that hey, look, Ron DeSantis would not have won the nomination without my endorsement. That in all likelihood is right. Looking at where the hundred percent before that, it's hundred percent true. Uh, but DeSantis has done such an effective job of putting together a case study for other Republican governors uh, that I think he's taken. And we talked about this after the the Zeldin DeSantis rally. DeS- DeSantis is not necessarily the best public speaker, rally speaker right. out there in the world. Connective tissue, not necessarily there. Exactly, but he's put together such a great case study. Uh, that I think there are more conservatives, more Republicans, and even a lot of independents that really love the job that Sands is doing and doesn't want Donald Trump going out there and picking a fight with him. Too late. It's going to happen. <laughs> There's going to be two heavyweight fights, Trump versus DeSantis and then Trump versus Joe Biden. That's my prediction. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Off to a great start. How lucky am I? Both Andrew Giuliani and Laura Curran in studio all morning long. We'll talk to Jennifer Harrison, victim's advocate out of Long Island. Right now, she's at the Maritza's Bay Diner where Fox and Friends is. So join us talking about the Kathy Hochul situation. Three more guests along the way and Laura and Andrew all morning long. Your best election coverage is right here with me, Sid Rosenberg, and Talk Radio 77, WABC. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're going at the criminals. There are other crimes for sure, I know, no doubt about, all over the nation. So I'm not sure how firing one district attorney in one borough in New York is going to deal with the crime issue across the state, across the nation. This is a nationwide phenomenon. Kathy Hochul, not sure firing one district attorney, so making excuses for Alvin Bragg. And Lee Zeldin, of course, has said time and time again, not if, but when I win, losing is not an option. I will fire Alvin Bragg right away. It's not that easy. We understand that in New York. There's got to be some, uh, a couple of uh, hoops you have to jump through, but at least he wants to do that. And right there, Kathy Hochul, again, making excuses for DA Alvin Bragg. Jennifer Harrison, become a friend of mine over the years. And in fact, she was on last night, Fox News, with Laura Ingram and Trace Gallagher. And uh, many years ago, her boyfriend was uh, gunned down and murdered. She's a Shirley Long Island resident, started a group called the Victims' Rights Advocate on Long Island, 
And she's going to be, I believe, at the Mariches Bay Diner later on today with Fox and Friends. Either way, she's on the phone right now. Jennifer, Sid, Laura Curran, Andrew Giuliani, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me on today. You're welcome. So you sent me a text yesterday, and I can't mm-hmm. even read it because uh, you you cursed more <laughs> than Howard Stern did about Herschel Walker yesterday. <laughs> uh, about uh, Kathy Hochul, you are furious with this lady. So give the Monarch Note version of exactly why. Yeah, well, we decided yesterday that I cannot say how I really feel on the air, so right. I will refrain. By the way, by the way you, you, used a, you used a word that makes sense on a Tuesday. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is Tuesday today. So. <laughs> uh, hopefully no kids are listening, especially my friend's class and my son's class. But, um, yeah, I mean, th- things were flying around my house yesterday when she was on the air saying that, you know, Lee Zeldin is hyperventilating, hyperventilating over crime to put fear into people. And, you know, I, I live this, Sid, as you know, and Andrew, you, you know, and your dad knows, day in and day out. And, Laura, you, you lost your race because of, of, of this and, and then putting Todd Kaminsky on the, on the ballot with you, so who was the author of bail reform. So how she can double down on these policies and say that we're hyperventilating while children are being slaughtered in the streets while businesses are being terrorized in black and brown communities is absolutely disgusting. I, I hope to God that they vote her the hell out of office today. So, Jennifer, hi, this is Laura. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm very sorry for what happened to you and your family. Uh, and oh, thank you. You know, just, you know, just to switch to talk politically. It are do you find you know the people that you talk to, especially with your victims' advocacy and advocating for families, that Democrats by and large are just missing the mark on this crime issue? Because that you know, as you pointed out, that's something I feel that I've been screaming from the rooftop since I lost. Fellow Democrats, please don't minimize this issue. Well, we we've been screaming it from the rooftop since 2017 when they started proposing bail reform and all this other garbage. So I, I don't know if they're missing the mark or if they just um, are so used to just, you know, having blind support from New York voters that they feel mm. that they don't have to own up or take any accountability for their actions. But mm. I hope that we send the message loud and clear today that we have had enough. And they are going to have to face accountability, and we will not stand for this anymore. Jennifer, according to Kathy Hochul, you practice along with Lee Zeldin in fear-mongering and demagoguery. And and, uh, one of the things that I I was really uh, taken aback by when she decided to take that tact was specifically the people that have seen this at their front door, that have seen crime at their front door. And there's nobody that has experienced this more personally uh, than you have, obviously. What have you heard from other people that have uh, experienced this personally, not just on the news where they've seen it, not just hearing it on the radio, but have really seen crime come to their front doorsteps? Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because, as Sid mentioned, I do live in Shirley, New York, in Shirley Long Island, where Lee Zeldin yeah. is from, um, you know, just a couple of miles down the block from where his house was involved in a gang shootout. And I found out that there's a blood hangout that, you know, that stems from that's right down the block from my house. So I drive my son back and forth to school every day. And the next morning when I read that for the first time ever, like I was truly scared when I was getting in my car and driving my son to school. And now I've already been a victim and buried somebody that I love because of homicide. I deal with 
survivors of homicide victims and mothers that have buried their children on a daily basis, like our friend Madeline Frame Andrew. Um, yeah. And, you know, for, for Kathy Hochul to basically spit in the faces of myself and mothers like Madeline Brame and people, that, you know, families that have buried young children like Devel Gardner's and upstate A. Sean Davis. I mean, it's just completely disgraceful, distasteful and disgusting. And she, she's just she's got to go. They, they all have to go. And we might not be able to beat Andrea Stewart Cousins or Carl Heasty, but we can take away their supermajority. We had a uh, press conference last week for Back to Blue here at WABC. And uh, Eve Hendricks spoke. Her son Brandon was shot to death uh, in the streets. And as he lay bleeding to death, his last words were, please call my mama. So, uh, and this lady really, really had everybody in the audience crying, including me and John Katsimatidis and Emily Pankow just a couple of days ago. So we see this all the time. You know, Jennifer Harrison, it was about a year ago when I first met you. It was at the America First Warehouse with Joe the Box, and I was there that day to host an event for Lee Zeldin. He had just uh, basically announced he was running for governor. It became official not long before that. I want to take the focus off of Kathy Hochul, put it on Lee Zeldin how do you think he did his campaign? We know her shortcomings, but how do you think Lee Zeldin did over the last year? You know, in 2017, I wrote a, a letter to former Governor Andrew Cuomo, and I said that in his New York, our children are not safe, our police are further endangered as they roll out the red carpet for criminals, and that New York is going to once again become Gotham, only we don't have Batman to save us. And you know, and then here comes Lee Zeldin, who in the face of a pandemic was battling leukemia, traveled to 62 counties across the state, was physically attacked by an assailant on stage, had his daughters, you know, shot at in their house. I, really, I can't think of a better superhero to come and save our state. Jennifer, it sounds like you're working with uh, families of victims from all different cultures, all different backgrounds. Uh, I know, you know, the Democrats are looking to get out the black and the Hispanic vote. What are you hearing from folks from those backgrounds who have encountered this kind of violence, who've been victims of this kind of violence in their lives? Well, yes. And we I also deal with all kinds of different um, cases. So gu- gun violence, stabbing, you know, I, I, everybody likes to just talk about and focus on gun violence. Yeah. But we also have people that are murdered by knives and hatchets and hammers and fists. And, you know, that stems from sometimes domestic violence or robberies in stores or, you know, gang issues, the border, fentanyl, death, death by dealers. So there's all kinds of different areas and situations and issues that, that we deal with on a daily basis that have to have to be reformed. Um, and everybody across the board is just completely disgusted. You know, we, we saw the Jose Alba situation at the, at the bodega in the Bronx where yeah. he, he was prosecuted. Alvin Bragg actually ran on a platform to protect victims, and now he's prosecuting a domestic violence victim who had, had to kill in self-defense, who he promised not to prosecute. So, um, you know, victims everywhere, like you said, of all different races and all different cultures are just completely fed up with what's going on and they're ready for a change. Jennifer, I've seen it from, you know, the start of the primary and and even well before then, just how uh, well you and Victim Rights New York have have come out. And you mentioned Madeline Brain before, and and obviously you've taken tragedies in your lives and and made sure that uh, you're affecting change in public policy by supporting candidates that you believe will actually help you change this up in Albany. What You've done so much over the last couple of years to get Lee Zeldin and other candidates that you believe in to the doorstep. How do you close out these final 
12 hours before the polls close in trying to make your final pitches to voters? Uh, media, uh, social media, praying. We're doing a lot of praying. I don't. I didn't sleep a wink last night. I was up just praying to God that he lets this happen for us because we really can't continue on the way that we have been, Andrew. And, you know, your dad actually said at a press conference one day to myself and Madeline that it, it was the victims when, when it was his time to clean up the city that came out and really and really transformed everything. So we're hoping that that's what's going to happen this Powerful. time. Lee Zeldin has, yeah, Lee Zeldin has actually, um, and, and that's why it was so important for Eve, Eve Hendricks to speak out the other day. And I'm, yeah. I'm so amazingly proud of her because I know that that's not hard to do, you know, coming from the demographic that she's coming from. Um, so I'm so amazingly proud of her that she, she found the courage to come out and actually call out the governor by name in front of that many people. And, and that's what we just have to band together, keep, you know, keep talking to everybody today make sure that everybody that we know gets out and votes and why it's so important to us and and not because of what happened to our families but because we don't want it to happen to your family and unfortunately the way that the state is headed if we keep these people in office it's only a matter of time that it does that is so a please, heck please, please yes. everybody get to the ballot box that's a heck of an appearance i'm uh, really proud of you as always my heart goes out to you lauren andrew feel the same way but this was a tremendous appearance this morning jen and You've been great the last year plus with Lee Zeldin, and I wish him the best of luck. I wish you the best of luck, and thank you so much for coming on this morning. That was an A-plus, a Grand Slam home run, Jennifer Harrison. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hopefully I'll see you all later at a victory party. All thank right, you, Jennifer. That sounds good. Jennifer Harrison right there, victim's rights advocate once again. Her boyfriend was murdered a couple of years ago out on Long Island, and uh, every day she wakes up and tries to help people who have gone through the same tragedy. She's quite a young lady. Folks, traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to The Middle Unplugged with Anthony Weiner on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Anthony talks about democracy and losing. I don't believe that any candidate should ever say losing is not an option. Losing is an option in a democracy. Losing is sometimes what campaigns need in order to learn that their ideas are not the ones that the American people want. I mean, Lee Zeldin believes certain things. If those things are repudiated in the election, that's how we govern. That's how we know what the voters want and don't want. And just because voters may want Kathy Hochul doesn't mean that the system's broken. It just means that someone else got chosen. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Sports brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan, the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. We had a football game last night. I know that. Some basketball, too. Here with the latest, here's my guy, Justin Ellick. Hey, well, you got it, Sydney. Yes, I am Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. We did indeed have a Monday night football game last night, closing out week nine between the Ravens and Saints in New Orleans. Baltimore topples Nola 27 to 13 to move to six and three on the year. The Saints, they fall to a lowly three and six moving into week 10 here. And uh, we'll start on the ice here locally, just the Isles in action at home against the Calgary Flames. The Islanders roared back down two with uh, two goals in the third to knot it up at three at the end of regulation. And then Noah Dobson, he played hero in overtime, said enough is enough, gets the win for the Isles. Dobson and Pajot playing catch. Lee's parked in front. Barzell on the right side. Winds up and waits. Dobson shoots, scores! The Islanders come on! 
How about that? That call courtesy of MSG. Sebastian Ajo, Anders Lee, and Kyle Palmieri lit the other three lamps for New York and the Islanders. They hold a one-point lead for third place in the Metropolitan Division over the Rangers, who they'll see tonight at the Garden at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And for the Devils, they're skating tonight as well, welcoming in the aforementioned Flames at 7 p.m. tonight as well. And on the hardwood, we'll start with the New York Knicks, who bested the Timberwolves in Minnesota by a score of 120-107. to Julius Randle, he poured in 31 in his 29 minutes on the floor in Carl Anthony Towns. He led Minnesota's side in scoring with 25 to his name. Next up for the Knicks is a tip-off with the Nets in Brooklyn tomorrow night. And speaking of those very Nets, they continued to play losing basketball last night. A 96-94 loss to the Mavericks in Dallas. Who else but Kevin Durant led all Nets in scoring with 26 points. But it was Luka Doncic who imposed his will on the Dallas end of things with 36 big points to secure the Mavs' victory. And the Nets now sit at 4-7 and seven on the year, heading into their head-to-head matchup with the Knicks. And news out of the Bronx on the diamond as Yanks first baseman Anthony Rizzo officially opted out of his contract with the New York Yankees on Monday night according to ESPN's Jesse Rogers and multiple reports. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Some of these candidates that people are actually... Herschel Walker, holy... They're saying he's going to win in Georgia. Are you... Dummies? There's going to be, you know, when they always talk about another civil war, well, I think there is going to be one. I mean, how could the f- did you elect that guy? you got to be out of your f- skull. Uh-huh. This is, I got to say, I mean, are you f- kidding me? I don't care what party, what you believe, what you think would be good for America. Would you really vote for this? F- I don't know what the f- is. I was going to say, like, mental case. I don't, but I don't even know if that's fair, the mental cases. <laughs> I just don't know. All right. You're saying he's going to win. All right. Well, good. Georgia. Georgia. He still makes me laugh. I know you guys hate him. I don't care. Howard Stern on that Georgia race, talking about Herschel Walker. And I followed Herschel's career way back when, when he was a running back at Georgia for Vince Dooley, who just died, by the way, about uh, two weeks ago, to being drafted by who? By Donald Trump. When he owned the New Jersey Generals, that was Herschel Walker's first professional football stop, playing for Donald Trump in New Jersey to his days with the Dallas Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings. And when you talk about those great Dallas Cowboy teams that won Super Bowls under Jimmy Johnson and um, the guy from Oklahoma, Barry Switzer, that was all because of Herschel Walker. They traded him and ended up uh, with draft choices, which turned out to be guys like Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith. So he basically built Herschel Walker, those great Dallas Cowboy teams, and here we are decades later, and he's in a tight Senate race. And look, I'll be honest, he's not a very impressive candidate. He he is not a great speaker. Stern's I, not wrong. I mean, right, he's not. I mean, he's a, he's not a very good speaker, Herschel Walker, let's be honest. Now, the other guy, he's got his own issues, I understand that. But when you look at the two of them down Tried in Georgia. Tried to run over his wife. <laughs> Domestic yeah. violence, not exactly the issue. Right. I mean, real no, no. Listen, real. Herschel. Way to win the woman vote. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm the Herschel guy here. I want Herschel to win. But but there's uh, one There's one thing. So yeah. he's running for Senate. 
And basically what you, you know, what a party wants in its senator is a reliable vote. If he were running for governor, that's an operational job where he actually has to run something. But when you're a legislator, you can, you know, the most important thing you do, yeah, you deliver for your district, constituent services, but your most important function is to vote for the party. So maybe that's why Republicans are more comfortable with him. If it were for governor, it might be a whole different story. You know, the thing that that I just wonder about that, and and I'm not trying to in any way play the race card here because I think it's ridiculous, but I do wonder if you had somebody who leaned liberal, right, who leans conservative, I should say, who was criticizing Warnock, if they would look at what Howard Stern said yesterday, and that was race baiting right there. That's what I I wonder. I don't think it is. Both candidates are black, but both candidates are black Both candidates are are black. I'm just saying that to me, I've just heard that so many times. Hmm. Here's here's the thing. I I think it's it's an assessment that uh, Howard Stern is is coming from, obviously, a place where he hates Trump. He hates anything associated with Trump over here. Exactly, yes. I've I've actually gotten a no Herschel throughout my time in the White House, and I like Herschel. Uh, I think he would be a reliable vote, obviously, as yeah. Warren had yeah. said, and, See, and that's why a, I think but, he's acceptable. But here's the problem. Uh, first of all, it reminds me, I was in a place called uh, Butterfingers, a bar way back when in Howard Beach. Sounds awful. <laughs> it, it was awful. <laughs> when James Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, and the biggest mm. upset ever, and some Italian guy went over to me and said, you believe this, the black guy won. I go, wait a second, there were two black guys in the ring tonight. Mm. He goes, the other one, whatever that means, I don't know. But <laughs> So there are two black guys running in this race. But my, my, my problem with what you just said, Andrew, and you know I love you like a brother. We it's... become very close. If Herschel Walker was a Democrat, mm-hmm. you'd be ripping him to shreds. But because he's a well, Republican, he's you kind of like him. I've got to he's my friend. He's my friend. I like, I like the guy. I've, I've talked to him a bunch, and, and, uh, and I've gotten but you to know never him. Well, so... he was a professional football player. You would have liked him anyway because you're, yeah, a, you're like always... me. You're a jock sniffer. He, was, so. uh, <laughs> he, was... <laughs> he returned kicks for the Giants for one year. I remember that, right? <laughs> one year or two years. Yes, so did. I remember that. Yeah, that was, and then like the first year watching football. And he was with Mo Carthon in New Jersey. Jersey no, all, on that, uh, all, all I'm saying, and, and again, I don't think in any way that was based in race and what Howard had said. I just kind of looked at what so many people on the left, on the yeah, right, yeah. have done have done from a commentary standpoint to people on the left. And uh, I just see on the left kind of this, this push that, uh, well, you know, you can't actually break down a candidate like this. Who is African American because of that? Uh, th- that that's all that came into my mind that's on fair. that one right it's there. Fair. I, I think I think Stern's comments. He could say whatever he wants about this. Yeah. It's fine. Actually. He made me laugh. I do want to talk <laughs> about that uh, Pennsylvania race with you, Laura Curran, because I don't care if you like Doctor Oz or not. I don't care whether you vote against Doctor Oz or not. Yeah. But you can't sit there and tell me you watch that debate between <sighs> Fetterman and Oz. It was hard to watch. Right, and you thought and this guy Fetterman was was fit to be a senator in the state of Pennsylvania. You really can't say that without showing some bias. And it's interesting because they sent everyone, Obama, Clinton, Oprah has endorsed him, and Oprah invented Oz. Uh, But any reasonable person watching that, at least in my opinion, thinks that it was actually cruel to put the man up there and to put himself in such a humiliating position. And one has the feeling that he's being used. But again, running for Senate, yeah. maybe it's a reliable 100%. vote. If, if you're right. concerned about choice, if you're concerned about the Supreme Court, yeah. if these are issues for you, then it doesn't matter. He's not running the state. Uh, I want to ask you about a specific governor race. The last time I did Brian Kilmeade show on Fox and News on a Saturday night, the guest right before me was a young lady I've never seen before. At that point, I hadn't seen her before. 
and her name was Tudor Dixon, who is cute, by the way. And uh, she's running against Gretchen Whitmer in the state of Michigan. John Katzmatidis has been saying for days, oh, my God, if Gretchen wins, she's going to shut down one of those pipelines in Michigan. Oh, yeah, he's fit to be tied about that. Uh, well, he's right about that because here we go again. Less energy independence, less jobs. There's no reason to do that. You think they're going to learn their lesson from Joe Biden already or Cuomo in this state, but they haven't. Uh, Tudor Dixon is gaining in a big way. Do you see a path to victory for Tudor in Michigan? I think there's a path to victory. I think uh, Whitmer is is the favorite in this. But but I do think if that red wave is as big as we think it is, that it will actually go into Michigan and Dixon has a chance. Uh, do I think it's a great chance? No, but I mean, it's probably a 25, 30 percent chance, which means that uh, that, you know, we could wake up tomorrow and see really uh, red in places we have not seen in a long time. But I think you'll look at Whitmer and I think you'll look at some of the uh, biggest COVID shutdowns, some of the most draconian COVID shutdowns. They actually came out of Michigan. So I'm very interested to see uh, if uh, if voters in Michigan yeah. are going to remember actually what had happened and if they're going to come on out and vote. Uh, and remember what she did, too, because she was shutting everything down, telling Michigan folks, don't go anywhere. And you may remember her husband was out there trying to get the boat out on the pier, on the deck. Nobody wearing masks, uh, really uh, going against her own rules. But again, if you're a Democrat governor, rules don't apply to you. Her We've un- seen that. Her unfavorables are very high, and I think it's going to be part of the issue that Zeldin has here, which is how are um, how how is Detroit going to come on out for Gretchen Whitmer? And is it going to be is the turnout going to be low enough where Dixon can make it up in the rest of the state? Now it's a little bit different. You have some college. College towns like Lansing and other areas in Michigan, where Ann, Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, obviously, where she's yep. going to do well. Um, but uh, but I think that's really where it is. It, are, is turnout going to be low enough in Detroit, in Ann Arbor, in Lansing, where Dixon can make it up the rest? Look of the at state. these uh, races everywhere. Laura Curran, again, former Nassau County executive, now star here at WABC <laughs> Radio and Podcast, and deservedly so. She's a terrific talent. Uh, I don't care if it's a Senate race, a gubernatorial race, or something local here in New York. Uh, we talk about common-sense Democrats. That's what John Katzmatidis uh, talks about quite a bit on this station. You're one of those. Do uh, you see any out there worth noting this morning before their races? Yeah. I mean, in my home district, uh, Laura Gillen, I think, is very much a common-sense person. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because she's getting smeared with all of the Republican talking points, smearing Democrats about crime and inflation and out of touch. You know, she was the town of Hempstead supervisor. She had absolutely nothing to do with bail reform. She's the mother of four. She used to work with Mother Teresa. You know, she's great. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even making that up. Yeah. Uh, and so, and Zimmerman, same thing, like a stalwart, just old school Democrat, really good, running against Santos for the Swazi seat. And they're getting smeared with stuff that had nothing to do with them, but it's this broad brush. I mean, that's politics. It happens to all of us in politics. Uh, but it's it's hard to watch good people step up, put their head above the the parapet to run, and then just get it cho- chopped off. You know, and and I that that's something that makes me sad. That uh, good people, and it might it might make good people not want to run in the future, Republican and Democrat. Oh, you're a Trumper. Oh, you're a socialist. Oh, you're you know you you know you want to kill people. Whatever it is. We have a couple of uh, friends running today that are long shots, to say the least. Big underdogs. Tina Forte was out with me a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. running against AOC. Our friend Michael Henry yep. running against Letitia James. Our dear friend Joe Pinion running against Chuck Schumer. Do you see a path to victory, Andrew, for any one of those folks? I think for Michael Henry, I do. I, you do? I really do. I think that it actually would not shock me if Michael Henry actually leads the ticket from a percentage victory standpoint. So I could see huh. Zeldin winning by one and Henry winning by three. 
Wow. Uh, I, I could even see a split ticket. You I don't think agree. that's because you're saying, wow, like you're shocked. He, yeah. Here's, yeah, that's surprising to me. Uh, yeah. Well, here's my assessment on it. The unfavorables of Letitia James are higher than the unfavorables mm. of Kathy Hochul. And I, I think you're going to have some Cuomo Democrats that may vote against James that may not oh, actually. So, you're right about that. Right. I've, I've heard that. Yeah. And even hearing, I know some of the stuff that Melissa DeRosa has said recently. Uh, it's been a real pushback against. So I'm very interested to yeah. see where I had it ends her on up. my podcast. It was very interesting. Yeah. DiNapoli wins. Everybody yeah. loves DiNapoli. He's he's the one Democrat we are confident. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I had Dove Hyken on a couple of days ago, and he's a Democrat his whole life, and he is staunch in his Lee Zeldin support. And he said, I'm still a Democrat, and a guy like Tom DiNapoli I still go. really like. There yeah, that's go. the one yeah. guy he mentioned. That's funny. Yeah. That is a great hour number one. Again, what a tremendous show this morning with Laura Curran, former Nassau County executive, now radio podcast star, Andrew Giuliani, already a huge star. He was a star when he was a kid before he even took a I golf I watched ball. that uh, inauguration. <laughs> Some say famous, most say infamous. So. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, trust me. we got three hours to go. Bo Deedle is coming up next hour. I'll talk to Megan Kelly in the 8 o'clock hour. A.J. Katsimatidis in the 9 o'clock hour, plus more of Andrew and Laura all morning long. This is the place to be, folks, on Election Day. Go out and vote. Polls are open right now until 9 o'clock tonight. Go out and vote. We'll be back with our number two, Election Day, with Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, and Laura Curran right after this. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. My fellow Americans and my fellow New Yorkers. You know, I used to live in New York. It was a great state. And now it's not so great, but it's going to be great again. Believe me, it's going to happen. I want to tell you how much you are honored and privileged to have one of the greatest Talk show hosts in the history of the world, leading the airwaves in the morning in the great state of New York and across the United States, I have to say, Sid Rosenberg. He's a fantastic guy. He is highly respected and highly successful. He's great, really. I've known him for a long time. Sid Rosenberg, he's a great guy and one of the greatest legends of radio. When you think about it, he does a fantastic job. Thank you to President Trump as we start hour number two of Election Day coverage here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sid with you. And I got uh, two great co-hosts today, really tremendous. Laura Curran, former Nassau County executive, and my dear friend Andrew Giuliani had a great hour number one. Jennifer Harrison was terrific this hour. Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up in about 15 minutes. And then the great Bo Deedle in the 8 o'clock hour. Megan Kelly makes her debut on this show. And we'll talk to A.J. Katsimatidis in the 9 o'clock hour. For some of us, and uh, again, uh, I'm a Republican, I make no bones about it, never was. I was a Jewish kid from Brooklyn, was a Democrat, but I don't understand uh, the Democrat Party these days. And one of the folks I really don't understand is Stacey Abrams. I, I feel like if she wasn't a female in black, 
she'd have no political career whatsoever, which she doesn't have anyway because she gets killed every time she runs, and Brian Kemp is going to destroy her in the state of Georgia today. But she won't go away. She'll end up on MSNBC, and she's gone, by the way, from somebody who had no money, zero money, to a multimillionaire somehow over the last couple of years. So Kemp is going to win big, but that doesn't mean the end of Stacey Abrams. Well, what do you think, Laura? Well, I think Stacey Abrams, when she ran four years ago, did something really important. She really got the grassroots motivated. And I think when the grassroots are motivated, it's just good for democracy. It's good for the country. She was very strategic. And and I really applaud her for did that. Did she lose? She claims she didn't well, lose. Well, I <laughs> I think it's clear that she did lose. Yeah. Uh, and I watched. I'm the, kidding. I watched the hypocrisy. Their, yes, I got that. I yeah. got that. I was yeah. pretending I didn't notice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I watched their debate, the Kemp and it, what, the first one, and it was a really good substantive debate. Mm-hmm. And he had that kind of wacky, tall libertarian in the middle who made them both look really normal. <laughs> and I think oh, voters right. voters came away from that thinking like, all right, well, you know, if you were undecided, like well, either one of these would be fine. They clearly know what they're talking about. Yeah. I think Kemp has surprised a lot of people by not being a wackadoo. Very sort of workaday, steady kind of guy. I know uh, your your boss, your former boss mm-hmm. is not a fan anymore. But uh, I predict that he wins this race, and I think it's going to be a lot more decisive. It was very narrow, and it was good. I mean, it was good. People were motivated. That's a wonderful thing. It's a model that people are following in other places to get the grassroots engaged. So I applaud her for that. Yeah, I, I think, uh, look, in, in looking at this race, and, and I've been, it's interesting. We talk so much about the national stuff. I've been so focused on New York, and a and, uh, guy who just came up right now is a guy we mentioned in the break here, Joe Pinion. He was on Fox Business, and I, and I was just thinking back, and this is going back to something we talked about in the last segment over here. But thinking about the the guys and the women in New York who are running, people like Tina Forte, people like Joe Pinion, people like Michael Henry may have a real shot at actually winning tonight. Even those who actually do not win, who come up a little bit short. If Zeldin can win this thing, they they deserve some credit to making sure they get those people over the finish line. Uh, back to Georgia over here, as I didn't want to kind of go, go back on this, but but I do think it's right. I think Kemp... Uh, he's in a good situation here. I think he's in a good place. It will be interesting to see uh, if it all seems like it's going to, if if uh, Abrams loses, what her potential concession speech, if there is a conspe- concession speech tonight. I know that's something that yeah. so many pundits yeah. on the right will be looking at and seeing if she actually uh, does concede if, if no, she loses concede. like we think she will. No, she'll concede, uh, and again, not to uh, jump on you here, Lord, because you've done a tremendous job this morning and you make a, a tremendous amount of sense. But what I've noticed from Democrats is is it's never their fault. They don't lose. Something happened. Something was rigged. Somebody said something. Yeah. Is it possible that Stacey Abrams' message is just not ringing with Americans? Is it possible she's not the better candidate? Not to lump all of you together, but it does seem like Democrats never lose. There's always an excuse. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and you're not wrong, Sid. Uh, People do look for things to blame. It's not me, or the voters are stupid, or they're misinformed, or they're being manipulated. And I think voters are actually pretty smart. I think that, you know, the intuitive nature of humanity is pretty good. We know who's going to look out for us. We know intuitively who's respecting us, who is not taking us for granted. And that's something that I would caution all politicians to think about. 
are you are you can you do you respect your constituents? Do you do are you earning their trust, or, right. or are you just saying they're stupid or they're crazy if they don't right. agree with yeah. it? I, I do want to ask you about one specific race, uh, Laura Kern, and that is the Mike Lawler, Sean Patrick Maloney case, uh, yeah. race. A couple of days ago, he was doing an interview, Sean Patrick Maloney, and the interviewer brought up inflation. And Maloney's response was really insensitive, I think. He said, basically, hey, if you're worried about inflation, go have some Chef Boyardee ravioli and stop complaining. That is not an answer well, on how to fix that. I read that quote. I, I think I think you're misreading what he said. I think he said I, he was trying to be empathize with the common man. I've had a hard life. My, I, we were when we were little. Sometimes we had to eat Chef Boyardee. So life wasn't always a bed of roses for me. I think that was him trying to relate to the common man. Okay, maybe we do have that cut. I believe right. Uh, cut number eight. Is that right, Lewis? So let's play it and let the audience decide, because I've been wrong before many times. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Laura's right. Here's Sean Patrick Maloney. Hudson Valley residents are feeling pain at the pump and at grocery stores. Uh, What have you done and what do you plan to do to help solve uh, our inflation problem? Yeah, well, I grew up in a family where, you know, if the if the gas price went up, the food budget went down. So by this time of the week, we'd be eating Chef Boyardee if if that budget wasn't going to change. Right. So that's what families have to do. And I, I don't think he was telling them, eat Chef Boyardee and shut up. He's like, I understand that sometimes you have to cut corners, and so I empathize with that. What about you, Andrew? What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I see Laura's point there, but I do think that voters are going to come out and say, well, uh, you know, you've been a uh, congressman for, what is it, six terms now? So what have you done about this? We, we've seen the mm. Inflation Reduction Act pass, and, and this has been something that uh, has been told. We've been told for a year, at least a year ago, was transitory. Uh, so do you have any responsibility on this? So they might still actually say, well, hey, look, you know, you, you might have said this and this might be cut up for a political ad. But nonetheless, uh, gas prices are up 50 percent from where they were two years ago. Uh, we're seeing inflation at eight, nine percent. Sometimes some say real inflation is at 12, 13, 15 percent, depending on where you're shopping and what you're doing. Uh you, as one of the leaders of the Democratic Party, not just in New York, but in the country, right. uh, we're going to make you pay for it, Sean. Right, right. You know, the other race that's interesting upstate is a little bit upstate is Pat Ryan. He's He won against Molinari in yeah. August. He's mm-hmm. running again. His district, his District 18, was plus 30 for Democrats. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, yeah. plus 8. Plus yeah. 8 for Democrats for mm-hmm. Biden. Uh Early voting is plus 30 for Democrats. So this could be an outlier in what might be a red wave. He's going to win. And he could, yeah. he could, that could help, yeah. as you were saying mm-hmm. during the break, Andrew, that could help Hochul if big yeah. no, he gets big numbers Z- in that district. Z- Zeldin needs all these congressional candidates to basically sweep. He might be able to lose one in a low turnout congressional race, but Zeldin needs all these congressional candidates to win. And if you look at those two ones, right, you can just look at the special election in August. You see the Pat Ryan race against Schmidt, and you could see the Molinaro race in New York 19. Mm-hmm. And Zeldin needs both of those to win, yeah. or at the yeah. very I least. I think so. he'll get one. Yeah. He'll get he one. I, I think Ryan's going to win. I mean, lost. the night before he beat Molinaro, he was out there with Kathy Hochul, and they yelling and screaming basically about abortion. Yeah. That was it. That was it. Yeah. You remember that, yeah, Laura? And he got himself a big win the next day. By the way, he's adorable. It, Pat Ryan? Oh, my God. His commercial is cute. He's lovely. His commercial, he's, he's got two little kids. Little yeah. kids and he's so nice. Yeah. Crazy about him, in case you can't tell. Yeah. No, we can tell. The interesting thing about those races, too, that's probably one of the few areas in the state 
where crime might not poll as one of the top two or three issues because it's mm. too far north where you're not getting the NYPD like and the civil Island. servants of New York City that live there, and it's not in really one of the metro areas there. So it's great crime. Point. So the economy probably is the top issue, which yeah. you know is going to hurt Ryan. It's going to it's going to hurt Molinaro's opponent. Um, but it's crime is probably not the issue that is in New York City, that is in Rochester, Binghamton, Buffalo, yeah. really, and that, that affect probably 14 or 15 million of the 19.5 million New Yorkers across the state. And that's that a good a point about point. civil service yeah. and cop folks yeah. where they live. There's yeah. a lot on Long Island. R- remember, it's, so much it, there. when you think about the Hudson Valley, it's Orange County and then Putnam County. When you start going to Dutchess County, east of the Hudson River, and Ulster. then Ulster County, north of it. That, you know, NYPD civil servants in New York City do not live up there. And a lot of the hippie type people moved up there. Yes, yes they did. They, they, yes, they, they, did. they, they yep. went they went further yep. liberal throughout the Park the Slope people. They did. That's they right. They did. You're right. <laughs> Let me ask you about your former boss. It seems like he's itching. And I mean <laughs> itching to announce he's gonna run again. The yeah. date November fifteenth is out there. Yep. But there were some rumors that he almost was going to do it last night, maybe today. Do you think Donald Trump has the patience to wait until November the 15th? That's a uh, – I don't even know how to answer that question right there, Sid. Uh, I think tonight he's going to uh, declare a big victory, obviously, for Republicans and conservatives. Uh, I think he will. The fact that he didn't announce last night means he does actually have the patience to wait until November but he 15th. He was close and, and last night, though, right? He was close to doing it last night. Very I, close. I heard he was considering it. I heard he was considering it. And I think it was a good move because right now I think the issues are so on Republican side, so on conservative side that, uh, you know, you want you want New Yorkers thinking about crime and the economy right now. And if you give them one final reason in a place that voted by 23 points for Joe Biden to come on out and vote for Trump because he actually would be on the ballot today, I don't know if the Zeldin campaign would be the happiest in all this. That is a great point. I'm really interested to see, though, if DeSantis makes the decision to jump in and run against Trump. I do know a lot of the big money. And look, Trump in 2016 took down a ton of the big money in getting the nomination. But I do know a lot of the big money that was with Trump in 2020 has been urging DeSantis in 2024 to run. He beat 17 people. As soon as he mentioned Donald Trump, me and Andrew Giuliani, Laura, you wrote something down. (laughs) I noticed that. I'm paying attention. What did you write about Donald Trump? I wrote down strip tease. Now, why, why would that be? Demi Moore? Because he's doing the strip tease. He's taking off the fingers of the glove. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a little treat oh, soon. Boy. Just hold on. Oh, my like, God. he is such a flirt. Yes, he is. And yeah. I think, this is my uneducated guess, he would eat DeSantis alive. He will. He'll kill him right and, now. And DeSantis is him. smart enough to know that yeah. and would probably bow before the king's. Well, yes, we have to sir. see. It's still two years away. DeSantis would win Florida, but as I spoke about with Rich Lowry yesterday, can you see DeSantis beating Trump in Iowa? No. New Hampshire? No. Yeah, South exactly. Carolina? No. Those right. important states. Yeah, exactly. Trump will kill him. By the way, so far this segment, you've mentioned Pat Ryan is cute. And Donald Trump is doing a strip tease. <laughs> you need a night out, Laura. <laughs> All right, we got a lot more to do. Coming up this morning, Bill O'Reilly's morning message is uh, coming up next. And then, of course, our dear, dear friend, the great Bo Deedle, his regular Tuesday spot coming up at 740. Only 77 minutes in. This has been a heck of a lot of fun. And, boy, these two really are smart and great, both Andrew Giuliani and Laura Curran. Keep it right here. We're just getting started. Election Day Tuesday with Sid Rosenberg, Laura Curran, and Andrew Giuliani. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Tuesday, I am thinking about a poll over the weekend by NBC News that says Americans prefer Democrats to run Congress. Now, that seems unbelievable. And it is if you believe other polling, especially the 75% number that says voters feel the country is going down the drain. Dems are now in charge of the drain. The Comcast Corporation, which owns NBC, is exceedingly liberal, so the pollster could just be giving his bosses, who are paying the bills, what they want to hear. Happens a lot in the polling industry. There is a chance that NBC will be right, but all the hard evidence points away from that. And if the NBC poll is correct, I will make a big deal out of it, and I will tell everybody that I was wrong. But if the NBC poll is desperately wrong, well, we will have a few words for NBC. But they don't care. Few remember polls 10 minutes after they hear that. So what if NBC makes a faulty prediction? Who's going to do anything about it? America's used to value honest, credible reporting. Now, many of us know only profits and ideology matter to the media, so relatively few get upset when the news agencies distort and censor. Hello, Hunter Biden. Tomorrow, we'll have the verdict on NBC. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. (laughs) Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On your election day Tuesday morning, Sid with you. Got Laura Curran and Andrew Giuliani in studio. They've been not good but great for the first 87 minutes. Jennifer Harrison was terrific in the 6 o'clock hour. The great Bo Deedle coming up in about 13 minutes. I'll talk to Megan Kelly in the 8 o'clock hour. I'll talk to A.J. Katsimatidis in the 9 o'clock hour. Seems that uh, Laura, who's got a lot of connections, I got to say she's connected 
has already gotten some early voting numbers in the five boroughs. Andrew, pay attention here. This could be very good for yeah, us this or not. Is the, Andrew, I want to get your head on this. Yeah. So um, early voting is complete. Mm-hmm. In Manhattan, 133-plus thousand. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, 135-plus yep. thousand. Bronx, 39,000. Yeah, very low. Very low. Depressingly you actually low. called that. Yeah. You said that. Yeah. Queen, Queens, close to 89,000. Right. Staten Island, close to 36,000. Yeah. I, I think in looking at this, and obviously, right, I'm coming through a biased lens on this, uh, but I think it bodes well for Zeldin. Staten Island was up significantly. Uh, the Bronx down significantly. We know that the Bronx is 11 to 1 Democrats or Republicans. Wow. Staten Island votes Two to one Republican to Democrat. Does Brooklyn it, it, offset that though? I mean, they really but, they got an operation there. Yeah, they do, and, and I think it's going to be interesting because the Brooklyn early vote is down something like it's it's I think it's about a third of what it was from the 2020 early vote. Maybe it's 37 percent of what it was from the from the uh, from from the from the 2020 early vote. Wow. So it's a matter 37%? of 37 percent. I think it's about 37 wow. percent so of what it was. Even though it's a presidential so year, it's a that's little more than a third. It's still it's still low. a big gap. Now it's a matter of hey. Hochul was there on Sunday, I think on Sunday. So will she be able to turn it out on Election Day? Will that will they be able to get some of those numbers up? Uh, I did hear that Sunday was the best early voting day. Sounds like four Democrats in some of these areas. So those numbers went up. I think going into the weekend, those numbers were really in trouble for Hochul. They got a little bit better yeah. as the weekend went on. But I can tell you from from my perspective, the early vote in Manhattan is where it's expected. Uh huh. In Queens. In the Bronx, in Brooklyn, they're lower than expected. Huh. In Staten Island, higher than expected. Interesting. I would say that means it's it's very good for Zeldin having that chance. And look, Zeldin talked about the thirty to thirty five percent. Yeah. So to in be the city. simple in the city, and it's, this is very simple for people to figure out on this on this one here. Uh, but the lower the turnout number is, the closer that gets to thirty percent. The higher the turnout number is, the closer that gets right. to thirty five, right. or even more than that, because it's just more raw votes that he would need to make up in other areas of the state. So this might mean that he can win it with 32 or 33 percent of New York City if these low vote numbers hold through election night. And the question is, do his city voters, though they're smaller, are they more passionate? Right. Are they more into it? Than her voters, which are many more. I think yeah. overall that's, that's Republicans. Yeah. I think overall Republican voters are much more enthusiastic. Overall, they just are. Democrats, Anecdotally, I'm hearing that. Yeah, it's not even close. I will ask you though, if you were still running, Laura, and you were uh, you're a Democrat. By the way, can I just say I'm really grateful to the sweet baby Jesus that I am not running this yeah. year as a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more fun, right? A lot more fun. With it's really a lot easier stake. telling everyone else right, what they're doing. Right, wrong. you're doing great. You're doing lousy. Yeah. But if you were running, I, I, again, we, we talk about what we've noticed the last couple yes, of weeks. Kathy yes. Hochul talks about how crime is a figment of your imagination. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams has said the same thing time and time again, specifically about subway crime. That is a perception, not a reality. And I've heard others in this state do the same. And Democrats have been running on abortion, gun laws, and whether or not you like Donald Trump. They don't want to talk about crime. If you were still running and you were in Nassau County today, would you not attack the crime issue, Laura? Well, I would, and I did. Uh, I, in fact, I, I angered some folks from my own party by coming out very early on 2019 about bail reform going too fast, too far. You did say that. You I said that did. right here with me and Bernie. And I was on record, but but still, it still was a killer issue. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and you brought up Mayor Adams. Now he's in a t- he's in a very difficult position, and I have a lot of empathy for him. He's got to work. I'll tell him that at dinner on Thursday night, yeah. which he confirmed last night. And I, and I want he did confirm. So I want you to have empathy. Not that I'm telling you what to do. Well, you kind Sid, of are. I, okay, I'll tell you. I'll give you some unwanted advice. Right. Have empathy for him. He needs Albany for funding for programs. He needs to have good relationships up there. So he's not. And he's tried to push back on bail, and he got really harshly criticized by the progressives. Uh, oh, he didn't pass these laws, but he has to live with them. His, he's seeing what's happening to his city. So he's walking a very fine line. He can't piss off the governor True. and the legislature because he needs them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens after the election. If Zeldin, it's a five in a hundred chance, according to 538, if he wins what his relationship will be like with Zeldin. It'll be I, fine. And by the way, he'll be a better mayor if Zeldin wins because he can continue to be lazy and uh, adopt all these horrible policies because she's a Democrat. If Zeldin wins, I think he'll five, be a better mayor. Uh, two, two things. First off, I think 538 is missing these early voting numbers. I would yeah, say that Zeldin right. has a 25, 30% chance, maybe even more, to win in looking at these early voting numbers. Like I said earlier before, the one pollster that came to me 10 days before and told me exactly where the race was, which is Lee was leading by double digits in our primary, tells me he thinks these numbers are right for Zeldin to pull the upset tonight. So this is a guy that I trust. This is a guy who called my race exactly where it was, who called Curtis's race exactly where it was. Yeah. I would say this about could Eric you, Adams. you pick the winner of the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not going to get empathy from Andrew Giuliani for Eric Adams. I can I, promise you that. Yeah, I, I would say this about Eric Adams, and this probably comes from my Giuliani hard-headed way, but I yeah. do think right now... He had the most leverage up until today of his mayoralhood because huh, you think about this, right? He could go up to Albany and say to Kathy Hochul, hey, look, unless we figure this out, I'm holding my endorsement until we actually figure this out with regards to bail reform, until mm. we actually get on the same page as crime. And I think instead he just offered the endorsement out way too early right mm. there. Rather, And look, you could and say, well, that's just he did well, it for the primary. Politics. Remember, it was right before the he, primary he vote. He did it for the primary, but then he, he reaffirmed it right after. Mm. In uh, and, and also, look, I, I would I would just say that— and, and remember, that's when everyone assumed that she would win. So strategically, that was a good move at the time. Yeah, well, I, I would also—if if you assumed that she was going to win and you had maximum leverage and you wanted to keep that leverage— Wouldn't you hold that endorsement back and say, hey, until I actually get what I want for my city, which is a way to figure out actually to change this strategy so we can get crime down, I'm holding my endorsement. And, yeah, guess what? You are going to take a little bit of heat. But guess what? You're the mayor of New York City. If you can't take a little bit of heat, then go find another job. Yeah. Right? Unfortunately, the guy is in the kitchen. He doesn't want to take the heat. He wants to go on 60 Minutes like he did this weekend. He wants to dress up in the nice suits and go to zero. And lied on there, too. It it was a terrible interview. I thought he gave her right here Anderson right Cooper. There. but yeah. but but to me he's a guy who wants to be good at the press conferences, but not actually take the heat of doing what he needs to do in City Hall and going up to Albany and actually getting in a fight up there. Because the truth is, yeah. he got elected because he was the only Democrat that would mention crime being exactly. a problem. I'd say the first Democrat that would mention crime was a problem. Uh, so for me, I'd like to see him a little, maybe not as good in the press conferences like he is. And more focused on actually yeah. getting his job and he's done got, with and he's Albany and using back, that leverage as mayor. And he's got to mm-hmm. come back from Albany a lot angrier. He kind of stuck his tail between his legs and said, I tried, guys. Don't get mad at me. you got to come back angry. you got to name and shame. you got to scream at the sky, Heastie, Stuart Cousins, please somebody listen to me because my city is dying. Somebody help me. He doesn't do that. But you know what? They can, they can be a little vindictive. You know, I, I, there's a lot of examples of that. We can't, we don't have to get into all of that. And they're already, I read, I read recently that they're looking to blame him if she doesn't do well. 
that it's somehow Adam's fault because he said the emperor has no clothes, bail form's not working. So they're they're looking to perhaps make him the fall guy, which I think is completely unfair. I, I do think Adams will be a better mayor if Zeldin is the governor because yes. Adams is a follower. Yeah. He's not a leader. And Hochul is leading him who knows where. I think Zeldin will lead him in the right direction for New York That's City. How That's how my said, We both agree on that. Traffic and sports are coming up next. And the great Bo Deedle with me, Laura and Andrew. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Boy, you love this song. I know you do. You love a little Pat Benatar. It is uh, 7.45 on your Election Day Tuesday morning. Sid Rosenberg with you. And uh, two co-hosts today. They've been really great. They really have both Andrew Giuliani and Laura Curran. We put this time aside every Tuesday for a dear, dear friend of both me and Bernard for the better part of 30 years. He also spent three decades as one of the most really decorated and popular cops in the history of this city, a real tough guy, and now has gone to become a legitimate big-time actor. I mean big-time. Wolf of Wall Street, the Irishman, Gravesend, Godfather of Harlem. Here he is with Sid, Andrew, and Laura on this Tuesday morning, the great Bo Deedle. Good morning, Bo. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Well, Good. Today, today, you know, everyone, everyone, we've been talking about it for months, but today's the day that you've got to get out and vote. This is not a Republican or a Democratic election. This is an election for the ideals of us being Americans together. You know, every time I tell people this is the day your life can change because this is for you and your family. And I think the most important things in the world are the issues of crime, inflation and immigration. And people don't realize it's not about abortion. It's not about Donald Trump. Who cares about Donald Trump? I really don't care about Donald Trump. I care about what's going on today and who's running today. And you know my, my support would, would lead in all the Republican candidates. Now, all of a sudden, these issues, the liberal Democrats, they put all their, their commercials out there, like January 6th Trump. Abortion, it has nothing to do with it. And and Lee Zeldin is not voting against abortion. All these liberals can talk about is that they can't talk about anything else. I tell them that you or one of your loved ones will become a victim of crime. And it's going to be when, when they're a victim of crime, it's going to be too late. And you're going to say, oh, I voted for the wrong person. We got an estimate 10 million illegal undocumented people in our country right now. Yes, 10 million. They were talking about 2 million coming over in the last year. I'm talking about the ones that came across that they don't know where the hell they are. I'm talking about the ones that were supposed to come back in 90 days. They don't come back. And you know what? They don't have a clue. Instead, the Democrats pass a stupid bill. They want to put $80 billion for the IRS. I got a good idea. Why don't we spend that $80 billion on securing our borders and identifying these people who are running around our country right now? And, you know, it, it's just I'm driving all the way out to Long Island. I live in New York. I live in Nassau. I live in Suffolk County. I'm driving all the way out to Harris. You live in a lot of places. So, Bo, I just right. want to and cut I, in. And I work. And I work hard for all my places. And I believe when you work hard, you get success. 
and I don't sit back pointing my finger at anybody else. So one thing I will say, Bo, it's Laura. Hi. It's nice to meet you over the phone. Um, So I I am a Democrat, and I was, uh, in my own opinion and in the opinion of others, very good on law and order. And unfortunately, Mm. you know, the way the talking points are, uh, from the Republican side, it's painting these Democrats with this broad brush that they're all softies on crime. That's not necessarily the case, but it's hard for good, moderate, common sense Democrats to break through the clutter from both sides. And well, that's, Laura, that's awfully we're frustrating. Gonna, Laura, we're going we're gonna to see today all your good voting Democrats, what they do today, because I need my moderate Democrats to vote for Lee Zeldin today and the Republicans today. You know, talking is very easy. But when I talk to my Democratic friends, all they say is, I hate Trump. I hate, oh, he's going to make stop abortions. That's a, a bunch of baloney. And let's talk about, let's talk about the Democrats in, in right now who run in this country. They politicized the Justice Department and the FBI. And when if we take over the Congress, maybe we can have investigations. I'd be damned. This January 6th thing, all of a sudden they're going at these people, they're incarcerating them beyond anything. But where is the, the arrest for the riots of 2020? People were killed, robbed, beaten, stores were burnt down, and we just forgot about it. And Laura, with all respect, your people are in charge right now. And what are they doing? They're dropping a ball. That's why we have to have a change in our state and in Washington. Now the FBI is investigating people who demonstrated to these uh, right-to-life places, but they don't demonstrate on the other side. They're using our political uh, – they're using our Justice Department and FBI for their political use, and I think it's wrong. They're taking the FBI agents off child sex offenders to use – for, for, for investigating uh, people who are conservative. This is so ridiculous. This kills me more than anything. So, and look at, Laura, our friend, Senator uh, from West Virginia, our senator Manson. over there, he flipped his vote. And then all of a sudden, the fool in charge there says, well, we're going to stop coal mining. We're going to stop coal. We're going to stop this. Now he looks like a damn fool because you got a president there who's a fool. He's your leader of the Democratic Party now. What do you do when something's bad? You must change. And today is the day for change. Yeah. It's Bo. not a Republican or a Democratic thing, Laura. I'm sorry to get so adamant, but I talk to my Democratic friends, and they keep going on and on. And oh, I, I think you're reflecting what a lot of New Yorkers are feeling right there, right? I think that's, well, that's exactly you know what you're reflecting. But I, I got a, I got a then, question for you, Bo, here, just, just on this topic, yeah. because obviously you know the pulse of the job better than anybody. I mean, you, you talk with so many guys who are yeah. on the job still that are retired. You've obviously yeah. you know done an amazing job in law enforcement. What's your take on the $25,000 gift from Lynch and the PBA to the Hochul campaign? Because that's something that bothered me and certainly bothered a lot of guys on the job that I spoke to and retired. Um, um, First of all, that was one of the things I was going to talk about, Andrew. And, you know, I was one of the first people to endorse your father the first time for mayor of New York City. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Right now, we have all the cops that are outraged about this. I pray to the good Lord that Lee Zelda pulls this off. And Pat Lynch, after that, you should resign. I think you're one of the greatest speakers that I've ever heard for the PBA. But now you're dropping a ball. At least by Detective Endowment, all the other unions are back. You're given $25,000 to Hochul. Now, the fact is, all of a sudden, Hochul's saying, well, I don't know about change. She's been in office, what, 15 months? Whatever the hell she's been in office, and she hasn't done a damn thing. Now she expects people to vote for her. Oh, when I get snaggled to, when I get into office, 
Then we're going to change bail reform. Well, why didn't you change it for the last or bring it to the attention for the last 15 months so the state legislature could get off their butts and start revamping this? And I'm going to tell you right now, Sid, you are right. You are right about Como. You know, John has him on the tr- I love John. He has him on the show. That's a big fool. All of a sudden, he's blaming Hulkle for the crime, as the, for all the crime that's happened. It was on his watch that he passed this baloney bail reform. And Hochul's 2.0, Cuomo 2.0. That's yep. exactly what we've seen at this we, point. We, we, we got to understand one thing, guys. This is the election of our lives. Most important in this election is we let these congressional people take over Congress and God will take over the Senate. And then we can start these events. Why are we politicizing? Look at who has an office. Who's that guy, the head of the uh, border and all that, the Homeland Security? That fool. Then you got the fool from <laughs> Indianapolis, transportation. Then you got the fool who's in charge of our Defense Department. Oh, Every God. one of these fools, oh, if you run a business and you put fools in there to run your business, you know where your business goes? It goes into the gun. So, so wait, wait, let me just get this clear. You got Mallorcas and Buttigieg in there. Go ahead. You, I, just wanna, to go. I just want to be one perfectly to clear on this. Yeah. You're not going to vote for Hope. <laughs> I don't think he is. Hey, uh, Bo, that was an impassioned, beautiful, fantastic appearance this morning, as it always is. That's why people love you on a Tuesday morning. I love you to pieces. Thank you so much, Bo Dito. That was absolutely great. I guess Bo is gone. Bo, Bo left hot. Oh, I'm not gone. Bo, Bo, Bo. <laughs> Bo, Bo, Bo. That's the message from Bo Deedle. He's exactly right. All right, we got to take a quick break. Still lots more to do here. Sid Rosenberg, Laura Curran, Andrew Giuliani kicking ass on Election Day. Still to come, Megan Kelly, A.J. Katsimatidis, and more from these two who are really, really smart. Andrew and Laura on this big election day, and Bo's got the uh, the point right there. Go out and vote, folks. Don't sit home and bitch and complain if you don't vote. We'll come back on this Tuesday morning election day with Sid, Laura, and Andrew right after this. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Paulie Shell. Happy Election Day. It's an important election day, especially the gubernatorial candidates. There's a lot at stake. Look, all I'm saying is that crime is out of control, and we need leaders who are going to stop it. Someone's got to do something. Someone's got to step up and be in charge and end this insanity. It's about common sense, human decency, and living in a civilized society. We're taxpayers, for God's sake. We deserve to be protected. Innocent people are getting hurt, not to mention getting shoved in front of trains. I've never seen this happening to such innocent people. It's not like they had it coming to them, T. They did nothing wrong. It's sad, T. It's like they're giving timeouts to violent offenders. There's no timeouts. When you violently assault someone, you'll shut it right. You do the crime, you gotta do the time. Oh! It's Consulieri. I have to remain impartial. But I will say this, somebody's got to do something to stop this violence. It's like everyday people got to go to the mattresses. It's out of control. Something's got to change. It's disgraceful. As the great Bernard McGurk once said, the inmates are running the asylum. What the heck is going on? And as Al Pacino once said in City Hall, the movie, this is your city, our city, New York City can be a palace again, the greatest city in the world. Now go out 
and vote. Hi, I'm Rob Magnotti. My condolences to Bernard McGurk's family and friends. Thank you, Bernie. We miss you. Please visit my website at robmagnotti.com on the web and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I love the Bernie and Sid show. The heart is a bloom. Shoots up through the stony ground. There's no room. No space to win in this town. You're out of luck. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. And you're not moving anywhere. You thought you found a friend to take you out of this place. Someone you can lend a hand in return. It is a beautiful day, Bono and you too, at 807 on your election day Tuesday. Thank you to the great Rob Magnotti. He is brilliant and was there for the first two ever Bernie and Sid comedy nights, which we had one at um at Fakakta Place on uh, Park Avenue that uh, Leslie Slender uh, used to send us to. Then we had one at the uh, the Hard Rock, which I actually put together, which was great. And Rob did both of those shows. And uh, still a big fan of the show. I still talk to Rob occasionally. He'll be with me actually Thursday night, next Thursday on Staten Island for Teddy Atlas's dinner. He always performs every year for that big event. So thank you to Rob Magnotti. I'm in studio this morning with two great people, the former Nassau County Executive Laura Curran and uh, Andrew Giuliani. We've had a great two hours, thanks to Jennifer Harrison in the 6 o'clock hour, Bo Deedle in the 7 o'clock hour, Megan Kelly Makes her debut on this show coming up at 8.40. And then A.J. Katsimatidis will be here at 9.05. We've been discussing all these uh, big races. And, Andrew, uh, to break just moments ago, you said that uh, on a day like this, whether it's a political pundit, whether it's Sid Rosenberg or Jesse Waters or even a politician, people tend to make this a lot more complicated than it is. This is simple. It's simple mathematics. And it's a matter of if Zeldin supporters are going to get on out there uh, and basically help to overcome this two-to-one Democratic advantage that Hochul has going into this. I think the early vote numbers, I think the absentee numbers, really benefit Zeldin in a way that could actually make him the gov- the, the governor-elect. And um, you got some news this morning from a guy that actually handicapped your race, a guy that handicapped you really respect. Handicapped perfectly, a guy who told me 10 days out that I was down double digits, the only one. Uh, obviously, at that point, we had two debates to go, but that's where the race ended up. Uh, he told Curtis exactly where he was and basically predicted close to the number exactly that uh, that Adams would win that race by. And he thinks that Zeldin is in a place where he's actually predicting a Zeldin victory. So it's not even a matter of he likes where Zeldin is going to be. He's predicting a Zeldin victory. And I can tell you I talked to him about two months ago after Dobbs, after the Molinaro race, and he thought Zeldin at the time was down about 12 points. Mm. Uh, I, I think I think he uh, – I'm hoping he's accurate. We'll We'll see. Um, I think that, uh, but in looking at the early vote numbers and looking at the absentee numbers, yeah. uh, if, if well. those percentages hold, which is yeah. about 35 to 40 percent of those in New York City come out to vote that came from 2020 this year, uh, then Lee Zeldin has a lot less total votes to make up outside of the five boroughs of yeah. New York City. Let's yeah. talk about New York State for a second here, Laura, specifically the supermajority, something you and I discussed at the break, and yeah. uh, IDC as well. Tell me what you see for the future with both Ooh, of those. I think it's going to be rough on Long Island. Um, uh, my prediction, totally unscientific, is that out of the nine state Senate seats we hold on to two, Kevin Thomas and Monica Martinez, 
And what will be interesting to see if if the Democrats lose the supermajority and it's a slim margin, will there be a new version of the IDC, the Independent mm-hmm. Democratic yeah. Caucus? And will they will they be the ones with the power? That's going to be interesting to watch. Now, I just have a personal question, mm-hmm. if you don't mind, yeah. Andrew. You were talking about Zelda. Now, you were locked in a, in a tough primary. Yeah. You came in second. You did mm-hmm. very well. You kind of broke on the scene. You impressed a lot Thank of people. Is it, is it hard? Because when you're running against someone, you just can't help but resent them. Right. You just, you just do. <laughs> what? Eventually, you get over it. Sometimes, sometimes not. Wait a second. Like, you and Bruce Blakeman are the best of friends. <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nope. So do you do you have any lingering resentment, or do you get over it quickly? You get on board. He's the better candidate. I'm 100 percent there. Every like, second, I just live in resentment. Wait a second. <laughs> no, and he never said he was a better candidate. He just said he happened to have a better day that day. But he's all Whitley. So no, look, I, I would say, of course, look, you're a human being, and, and you think about what could I have done differently to have won this race. What could I have done? How could I have done this from the beginning? Uh, but more than anything, I think about it, and, and I've said this time and time again, but uh, I look at my daughter, and I think about the future of New York mm-hmm. in four years if Kathy Hochul is elected and if Lee Zeldin is elected. And uh, I think uh, that she would be far better served if Lee Zeldin is the governor for the next four well, years. I'll, I'll so for me, it becomes very he, He's going to move. If, if Lee Zeldin loses, <laughs> oh. by the time Grace turns five, yeah. she'll be living in Fort my, Lauderdale. My, Trust my, me. My wife, if, if Kathy Hochul is elected tonight, is going to be calling the U-Haul immediately. <laughs> And even though I'm going down to Florida for a vacation here at the end of the week, I might not come back. We'll see. That's <laughs> true. Uh, no, no, but I, I, t- to me, it's it's uh, it's a matter of uh, I've known Lee for five, six years. We spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. together while I was working in the mm. Trump administration. He was a member of Congress. We would do dinners probably every two or three months or so. So I told Lee when I decided I was going to get in the race that, hey, look, this is going to be fric- frictional for the next uh, for the next year or so. Uh, but we'll come back together, and we really did actually on primary night. And, and so for me, uh, I'm uh, so I'm proud to call it. Lee a friend. I'm, yeah. I'm over it. Yeah. I am. He's actually so. worked hard for Lee Zeldin the last couple of months in an effort to get him to I, win uh, later on today. Yeah. So he yeah. is over it. He, but he's that type of guy. But, he's a you good know, look, guy. Look, I've I've been around politics for my entire life. Yeah, so I that's see true. This, right. You understand kind of how all this works. You understand that this is not personal, as right. as maybe our friend might have said before. It's not personal. It's just business. Right. You know? <laughs> he may have said <laughs> that. Right yeah, today's enemy is tomorrow's friend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why you can't hold any grudges, or you got to let it all go because you just never know. Let me talk about these. Uh, four seats you guys can speak about. Look how handsome Chad Lopez looks today. Always. Chad just voted Adorable. for Lee Zeldin. What a handsome man. <laughs> he loves this show. He loves both of you guys, to be honest. So this uh, this but, trio is Does he is, love is, is you, big. Sid? I don't know if he loves you. He never t- he told me he loves loves Lauren. He tells me he loves yeah. me, but does yeah. he love you? Well, he brought me back. He did bring you back, but that doesn't mean he loves you. <laughs> no, that's true. You're right. I think uh, he loves you. He loves I think you. he does, yeah. He loves you. Four seats uh, that can turn here in New York. This uh, George Santos race. Yeah. The uh, Anthony D'Esposito race. The yeah. Mike Lawler race My, that's and the a, Mark that's Malinaro not, race. That's not Long Island. Those aren't Long Island. No, two of those are not. Yeah. Two of those are. Yeah. Uh, four seats, I should say, in New York, two yeah. in Long Island. Uh, a very, uh, it's a likely, likely maybe, well, maybe not likely, possibly those four seats can turn. How many of those seats do you see? You know what's interesting is the Zimmerman-Santos race. So Zimmerman is a true professional. He's a great guy. I know him. Uh, and and from what I heard from my sources is that Santos was not getting a lot of support, at least at the beginning, because everyone just, you know, assumes Zimmerman would, would win. And he's popular with a lot of people, you know, old school Democrats, but even some Republicans, et cetera. 
So that seems to be 50 50. Um, I'm, you know, as we talked about in the previous hour, I'm worried about my girl Gillen. I think she's, she, she's an independent thinker. Yeah. She's not the kind of person who goes lockstep with the party. And I think we need that from both sides. Yeah. I think too many are lockstep. They become sort of robots. That's why she's going to lose. That's why she's going to lose. Because these days, unfortunately, you cannot be wafting somewhere in the middle. They only like you if you're on their side 100%. If I say one Which is nice crazy thing, because who I know, is 100% is. something? Hey, listen, Laura, if I say one nice thing about Howard Stern or Bruce Springsteen, I can show you pages and pages of hate from Republicans. And I'm a Republican. Yeah. I'm on the air every day talking about Trump. That's just the text right, message that's I just him. when he starts complimenting right. Stern. It's that's true. You can't stand him. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to not be cowed by those People on Twitter who have nothing better to do with their lives. No, think for yourself. Yeah. And then there's millions of others that see it and are like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I guess I can think yeah. for myself too. Let me read this to you guys, uh, Lauren Andrew. Margaret Powers just texted me. Her husband, Paul King, is running for the house in uh, Bell Harbor. You know who Paul King yep. is, Andrew. She said, just heard from PS 114, a poll worker gave out the ballot and said, pay special attention to column A. I called the BOE to report it, and the woman on the phone, Linda, told me not to worry about it because a worker would never say that to anyone. I guess basically calling Margaret a liar. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, it's uh, – look, we, we saw the issue in the primary in the Bronx where they didn't have Republican ballots for, uh, I think, two of the different electoral districts here. Uh, obviously, we're at a time in our history where, and I've made this, we talked about Stacey Abrams before. Obviously, we know what happened in the 2020 election. We know what happened in the 2016 election where you had many Democrats question whether or not Trump was legitimately elected. Uh, when you add the way Democrats felt in 2016 with the way Republicans felt in 2020, uh, almost 80 percent of Democrats and Republicans have questioned one of the last two presidential elections. Uh, we're at a time in our country's history where uh, we're not necessarily trusting our elections. And, and the benefit of the doubt is not given to the poll worker at this point. I obviously wasn't there. I don't know what was said. I've heard stuff like that happen before. Obviously, stuff like that in order to get everybody to believe you, you have to yeah. catch that yeah. on camera. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's tough to. How can you be the uh, the BOE commissioner at that point if, if you just have heard this? As a one-off here, sure, it's, it's a difficult sure. position to be in. But Very. obviously, when you're you know that close to a candidate and you see something like that, it enrages you. Well, you know, it's kind of like they did it last time, so here we go. So, for example, Laura, all you keep hearing is if the Republicans take the House, which they will, they're going to impeach Joe Biden. And they maybe you know the impeachment thing is being thrown around uh, too much here. Uh, you guys impeached Trump a couple of times over nonsense. Now the same thing is happening to Joe Biden. There was a time when you only used impeachment if somebody did something really bad. Trump didn't do it, and you can make the case that Biden really hasn't done it either. But there's going to be revenge here. How do you feel about that? I feel like this tit for tat is going to get really tedious, and people are just going to get sick of it. And I think Andrew has a good point about trust. A lack of trust. And we see it on both sides. You know, everyone's looking at the democratic process. Uh, By the way, I think there's a lot of hyperbole about democracy is on the ballot this year. Isn't democracy on the ballot every year? (laughs) Good point. And and the more people vote, the better the democracy is. Yeah. Well, that's coming from one side. That's coming from your side. I know. Yes. But but this whole thing, like Trump was indicted, uh, impeached. Now Biden's going to get, and it's like, is it ever going to end? And I think regular people are going to be like, shut the F up about this. Like, like, what are you doing for me? What's your plan for me? 
because it becomes all about the politicians. It becomes all about who's mad at who and the egos and this and that. And meanwhile, the regular people are forgotten. And I think that really angers people. And, and I would say about the first impeachment with Trump, when you think about that, Trump's polling numbers actually went up after the impeachment. So ah. Republicans need to actually be very careful about what they're going to do from a political perspective yes. on this. you got to remember, that impeachment happened, then two months later, COVID happened. So everybody had forgotten by the time they go to the yes. ballot boxes about that impeachment. But that impeachment was 2019 into the very very first month of yep. 2020. That's right. Trump's That's right. polling numbers might never have been better in his presidency. I know it was one of the yep. top, top so make, numbers then say, right after the impeachment. <laughs> so it, po- politically, it's, uh, it's, it's very That's interesting. interesting. And, and if you think about uh, listen, it, the same thing with, the with, the same thing with Clinton. Joe Biden. Jesus Christ couldn't help Joe Biden, <laughs> let alone impeachment. There are no, There's nothing that'll get that man's numbers up. Nothing. It's over. You know it's over. I mean, you know it's over. It's hard to watch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sid Rosenberg, Laura Curran, Andrew Giuliani. That's a great way to end that segment. Got a lot more to come. Lydia Serrani is coming up next. Megan Kelly makes her debut on this show coming up at 840. AJ Katsimatidi. She'll be here at 905. But this trio continues until Brian Kilmeade comes your way at 10 o'clock this morning. Lou Dobbs' business report is coming up next. Keep it right here with Sid, Laura, and Andrew, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Stocks riding a modest rally ahead of today's midterm elections. All three major indexes higher for a second straight day. Investors now focused on key inflation data with Thursday's CPI update. Economists forecasting an early 15% increase in revenue for Disney. Price hikes are expected to have offset some of the losses from Hurricane Ian in Florida and COVID shutdowns in China. Disney reports earnings after the close. AMC Entertainment reports third quarter results. Earnings and revenue forecast to have risen year over year, but higher costs could affect profit margins. Lyft reported record revenue, outpacing rival Uber. Still, the ride-sharing company reported a net loss of $422 million because of higher costs. Lyft stock down 8% in extended trading. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. This report is sponsored by Benjamin Steakhouse. And speaking of Benjamin Steakhouse, it's right there off the Springbrook Parkway and the Greenberg exit nearby where I live. And as soon as you get off the exit, you see a row of Zeldin signs. I don't know about you guys. Laura, Andrew said, I have yet to see a Hochul sign anywhere except for when I went early voting this past weekend by like the polling place with all the other signs. But as far as on somebody's front lawn, uh, or along the highway or any kind of grassy area, only Zeldin signs, even homemade Zeldin signs. Yeah. I mean, especially in my community in uh, Bell Harbor, in the ponds at Rockaway, you've got three signs, Andrew, Laura, and uh, Lydia, on every lawn. Paul King, Thomas Sullivan, running for assembly in Queens, and Lee Zeldin. All three of those signs, as you know, Andrew, yeah. are just about every lawn in, in Rockaway. Lydia, Lauren, one of the things that actually was really interesting to me was being out in Staten Island. I've been in Staten Island now for, I think, three of the last six days or something like that. 
even the few houses, and obviously there are a lot more Nicole Maliotakis signs, but even the few houses that have Max Rose signs, they don't have Hochul signs on them, which I find fascinating in looking at how the up ticket versus down ticket are going to do. And what about out on Long Island, Laura? Are you seeing any Hochul enthusiasm, any signs, anything? I'm to Lydia's s- point. I'm seeing a lot of down ballot Democratic signs, but interestingly enough, I noticed the same thing. A right. lot of Zeldin, mm-hmm. not a lot of Hochul signs. Wow. And I, I live in a majority-minority community. We have three voting Democrats in my house, and we have not received one piece of mail. There's not one really? Republican in your house? Not one? No. Oh yeah, yeah. You would think no. with the forty-five million oh, dollars that the campaign <laughs> took in, that they would, <laughs> that they would at least hit you up with I, some mailers. And, and also living in a you know a diverse community, yeah. those are the votes that need yeah. to come out. One hundred percent. Yep. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah. So, but it's, and Lydia, you're in Westchester, and we were just talking mm-hmm. the three of us in the break that Westchester can really be the firewall for Hochul if she gets sixty percent of the vote, she probably wins the race. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with I, that? It, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. And Westchester, it can go either way. I mean, we're t- if you go to northern Westchester, if you go right there on the border of Putnam, that's traditionally red. But if you right where I am in uh, Hartsdale, Scarsdale, this lower Westchester area, it, it can go either way. And like I said, I don't know. I'm not hearing the enthusiasm for, for Hochul. I'm just hearing it all for Zeldin. One of my friends who's been a lifelong Democrat, he's a gay black man. He lives in the Bronx. He showed he took a picture of his ballot. I don't know if that's illegal or not, but he sent it to me and he voted Democrat all the way, except when it came for the governor. He said, listen, I take the train. And the fact that she won't even say that there's crime, the fact that she has no plan except to what put extra put the same cops, but just extra overtime, 1200 cops with overtime hours just on the train. He's like, she doesn't care to make me safe and for the first time in his life he voted for a republican he voted for zeldin so i think that's what we're going to see i think we'll see a lot of the traditional candidates obviously i think schumer will win i like joe pinion i think he's fantastic but i'm seeing polling between tish james and michael henry it's close even though a lot of people don't even know a lot of people don't even know who's running against tish james but they don't like her no, they and don't. So- yep. And that's why you're going to see uh, Republicans, for example, my friend Ralph up in, on Arthur Avenue, he just texted me. He voted Republican up and down mm-hmm. the ticket. But you will see Laura and Andrew and Lydia, to, to Lydia's last point, you will see Democrats that will vote Democrats down the ticket but still yes. vote for Lee Zeldin. You're not going to see Republicans voting for any Democrat, but Democrats may still vote for Lee Zeldin. Is that fair to say, Laura? Yes. Yeah. And Lydia, in Westchester, you may be actually seeing some of that voter apathy we're seeing in the early numbers in the Bronx leak on up into Westchester, right? Because like you said, that's kind of the bluest parts of Westchester with the closest areas to the Bronx right there. The Bronx early turnout actually was almost less than Staten Island. You got to remember the Bronx has three, almost four times the amount of people that live in the Bronx than just. Then Staten Island and Staten Island, which traditionally votes Republican, a lot of blue dog Democrats in Staten Island actually ended up almost surpassing them from an early vote total. But Westchester is a little more progressive than Long Island. Yes, it's a suburb. Yes, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of commuters, but it seems to attract a a slightly more liberal uh, Mm -hmm. demographic. Yeah. So I think the major the major issue for a lot of voters here. This is Lydia, because we have two women in the studio, which is very rare. So I'm very happy that Laura's there. So I I want to say who I am because I don't want people to get confused. Uh, Is the is the abortion issue? A lot of my friends, you know, were the, the suburban one. moms here, and that was the major issue. They were like, I, I don't want Zeldin to reverse abortion access. Do you think I, myself, he, pro- he inoculated himself with that ad uh, sufficiently? 
I think he did, I, and he said the same thing during the debate. He said time and time again, he has no plans of changing anything. But and do you th- think that, that, that calmed women down? No, 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 no. Anybody I'll who brings you, up it, abortion it calmed, is It calmed there. women down. It okay. calmed women down. I don't think so. My, I don't think so. No, I, I, I think, well, this is a woman saying it. So well, that's true. <laughs> You're right, but she, but don't forget, she's biased. She's well, a Zeldin uh, supporter. No, but, no, my friend. I'm gonna. I always try to talk about like you know when I talk to people, I still can't take off my reporter hat. My husband says it to me all the time. Can you just not be a journalist for once in your life? So every time we get together with these like family functions, I was just at a wedding this weekend, and I was talking to one of my my cousins who she's a you know staunch Democrat. She actually she she has a lot of uh, Republican policies that she's for, but she said. She's like, I would rather pay $100 a gallon gas versus vote for a guy who's going to overturn the the rights for a woman and legislate my private parts. And she has a daughter and all these things. But then she said that the Zeldin ad did calm her down. However, I think Zeldin should have put out that ad and talked about abortion instead of ignoring it like Molinaro did. And I think that's what cost him the race the last time. And just, you know, take it head on. People are voters. People are not stupid. Voters are savvy. I wish he had addressed it much earlier on. I also wish he had put ads out with his wife and his two beautiful children earlier on because the Democrats were painting him like this ultra MAGA crazy, you know, gun toting maniac. And he's just a regular hardworking middle class guy with a beautiful wife, two kids, and he works in a nice working class neighborhood. So I I mean, I just that's the only thing. But I do, you know, obviously, he's doing an amazing job with focusing on crime, crime, crime. And now that I think people are getting to know him as a person versus just a politician, because remember, nobody knew who he was. Kathy Hochul's the one who gave him name recognition. Now people are really starting to like him. So I think that's also what helped this momentum and why I think this race is going to be very close. But I think he'll need more than 30 percent in the city than what Pataki did in 1994, because we have more Democrats. It's only, what, 22 percent of Republicans in New York State. So the fact that this race is even close means Kathy Hochul is a failure. How about that? Uh, I couldn't agree more. But in the end, if she wins, she wins. So she will be a failure if it's a close race. But if she wins, she wins, and there are no moral victories when it comes to politics. Bottom line is, she's going to run the state, and that's bad news for everybody, Republicans and Democrats. As always, terrific job. You can catch Lydia sitting alongside John Katz every weekday afternoon at 5 o'clock. That's a great show. Catch at night. You can follow Lydia at Lydia News 1 on Instagram, at Lydia News on Twitter. Anything else? And this, and this report is sponsored by Benjamin Steakhouse. Visit Benjamin Steakhouse and experience sizzling steaks, top-notch service, fresh seafood. Let me tell you, the service here is fantastic. And I think a lot of them might be Zeldin reporters, maybe supporters. Maybe I should say, but <laughs> yeah, by far deal. my favorite steakhouse in Westchester and Midtown Manhattan, BenjaminSteakhouse.com. One last thing: if Hochul wins, expect a lot more people to die. Okay, that's the one thing we know. And not just <laughs> with the bail yeah. reform, yeah. you see a lot of people out there doing drugs. The fact that she's decriminalized drug use, it's really sad that a lot of New Yorkers have to learn the hard way. All right, thank you. So let me go to you for a second. Uh, you just heard what Lydia said on the way out, Laura Curran. And, um, you know, even some Republicans will say, hey, calm down. You're exagger- exaggerating just a bit. I mean, I want Zeldin to win. I know there's a crime issue. There's no doubt about it. But this, you know, hysteria, people are going to die. And blah, blah. Just calm down just a little. You made a face. Like yeah. That's what you wanted to say. Yes. I, I, I felt that that was really hyper, hyper, hyper. What is the word? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. Yeah. Hyperbole. Eric Adams. I'm, trying to, make, word, I'm trying to make a, an adjective <laughs> out of it. Um, I, that I I do have empathy for Kathy Hochul. Think about it. Fourteen months ago, she became the governor, and she had been kept in the sidelines, kept in the background by the by the previous administration, by the Cuomo administration. Becomes governor and candidate 
on exactly the same day. She's got to run the state. COVID, she was just coming out of COVID. There's crime issues. There's all this political stuff she has to deal with. Then she has to also be a campaigner, raise money, introduce herself to people. It's like spinning 14 plates in the air at the same time. She has managed to keep her cool, to keep her composure. I believe she's doing the best she can. I don't think she's been well served by her political consultants. I will say that. Uh, But but I think, you know, saying that she's responsible for people dying is a bit hyperbolic. Okay. But you you seem to have empathy for her and Eric Adams. I have no empathy for her. I think she is a horrible governor. Uh, I think that she has sat on these sidelines and watched this and done nothing about it. She's corrupt. There's no question about it. That stadium deal with her husband, her lieutenant governor, Benjamin, getting arrested. I mean, there's four or five different controversies in and around her leadership that we don't see in years. So I have zero empathy for for her and little for Eric Adams. But that's fine. You're a much nicer person than I am. I I would also (laughs) say I'm I'm also empathetic for Joe Biden. I'm also empathetic (laughs) for John Fetterman, just in the same way that I'm empathetic for Kathy Hochul. So uh, in my empathy, I I would love to relieve her of her duties and actually <laughs> on January 1st uh, give yeah. somebody who I believe can do the job well, like Lee Zeldin, and not somebody who actually was kept in the background for so long. Somebody who was painted as a moderate and is governed as the most liberal governor of the previous 56 and now the 57th governor in our state's history. Well, let's talk how, how about, that. Oh, let's talk about okay. that for a second because Joe Biden ran as a moderate. And he is left to Bernie Sanders. To uh, Andrew's point, he's exactly right. She claims she's a moderate. She's still left to Bernie Sanders. What is it with Democrats these days, Laura, claiming they're one thing and then you buy it and then clearly you bought a different set of goods? Well, it was interesting with Biden because he ran to bring the temperature down, to calm everyone down, to bring us together. And that people don't feel that way. People don't feel that that has been the case. Uh, What's going to be interesting if Zeldin does win is how he works with the very Democratic legislature. Mm -hmm. Will there be gridlock? And is that a bad thing necessarily? But will, you know, will or will it just be political theater, press conferences and statements and attacks and social media? Is it just going to be political theater, but nothing actually getting done for people? Andrew, you had to think about that because you ran for that position, Governor. What about what you just asked? Well, I I think and this goes back to the Pataki and Sheldon Silver lawsuits back in the I think uh, I think it might even been before 2000. I think it was during Pataki's first or second term right there, which actually gave the governor of New York an extraordinary amount of power compared to the other 49 governors in the budgeting process to the point where the legislature can actually only take away. They can't add during the budgeting process. So I think Zeldin's going to be able to understand how to utilize that budgeting process to get the leverage he needs over the legislature. But maybe the most important job in the Zeldin administration, let's we're getting far ahead of ourselves at this point. But if Zeldin does get elected, that director of legislative affairs could very well be his mm-hmm. most important job that yep. he needs to fill in that Bingo. administration. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I love this song, Little Chicago, for you. Eight forty-five on your Tuesday morning, election day in New York City. Trying to get Megyn Kelly on for years. He used to say to Bernie, get Megyn Kelly, man. I'm a huge fan of Megan's. You can check her out. She's got a podcast and she curses. It's actually really funny every week. I love it. And uh, tonight she'll be covering the election 9 to 11 on channel 111 on Sirius XM. That's a Triumph channel. Also on YouTube. And as I said, I play her clips on this show from her podcast a lot. I wasn't thrilled with her conversation with Jason Whitlock. That's a whole other story. Here she is, uh, the very talented... I'm a huge fan, Megan Kelly. Megan Sid, 77 WABC here in New York. How are you? 
said, it's so fun to talk to you. Thank you for that nice intro. Uh, it's all true. But I do want to get quickly, before we get to the political conversation, your talk on your podcast with uh, Whitlock. Um, you know, Kyrie's a big story here in New York, obviously. I'm a big basketball fan. I'm also Jewish. And um, I don't think that Kyrie exhibited any, any sense of remorse. And whether you think, whether you think what he posted was okay or not, he did anger and upset a lot of the Jewish community here in New York, and he owed them that. And he's just, he seems so angry to me, Megan. I don't know why he's so angry, but he seems so angry. And it seemed like you and Jason Whitlock were kind of defending him, if not making excuses for him, on the podcast the other day. What was that about? Well, I mean, what, we were drawing a distinction. I think he was, and I accepted his distinction between Kyrie and Kanye. Because Kanye's been out there, and, you know, Jason initially defended him and sort of said, well, he said, had some inarticulate tweets. And I was like, no, no, no. It went way beyond that. Right. Um, and so I think I got him to sort of see that Kanye going out there and saying, and my doctor was Jewish. <laughs> There's no other way of looking at that other than as an anti-Semitic uh, line and, and feeling, and Kanye's proven it time and time again. Kyrie Irving, I, I accepted Jason's position that he's in a different camp. What he did was tweet out, just without comment, a link to this video or this movie that I had not seen, and I bet most of the people commenting on it had, had not seen, and then said I disagreed with a lot of the parts in there, especially the ones that were anti-Semitic, but it had other, had other points that I agreed with. From that, I can't run around saying Kyrie Irving is anti-Semitic. I haven't seen it, nor have most of the people who are, who are criticizing him. So I see a distinction in those two cases. All right, fair enough. Let's move over to the uh, the big political stories for the day, Megan. We'll start with the number. I was watching Jesse last night, for example. He's like 53, 54. And then I saw Carl Rove. He said 51, 52. And Laura Kern is in studio today with me. She's a Democrat. She's saying 51. You look at these Senate races. What do you see? God, I wish I I wish I could tell you. I'm not really a political prognosticator, but I guess I'd have to say 53. I feel like the red wave is coming. Um, I do think typically the Republicans are underpolled. I believe in the Trafalgar theory of the submerged Republican voters in this election who just aren't even dealing with the pollsters, especially the white working class. And honestly, the Hispanic working class as well, who are all tending to vote red and they don't like dealing with pollsters. Um, I just think there's something in the air right now. I don't think anything the Democrats have done has changed the momentum the GOP's been building. So I, I'd bet higher. I'd bet high. Wow. Maybe 53. Any chance, <laughs> Megan, I can get you to give me New Hampshire maybe or maybe even Arizona too and get a complete bloodbath at 54, 55, or is that too pie in the sky? I think, well, I mean, I really think Arizona Senate is going to go red. I think uh, Carrie Lake is going to drag Blake Masters over the finish line. Um, you do? But I don't, yeah, I do. I think in, instead of being, you know, they thought she was going to be some drag on the ticket. I remember early on, we got a call from a GOP operative who used to work for Trump saying, would you guys have on Carrie Lake? I'm like, oh, sure. This is when she was back in her primary contest. Sure, I'll put her on. She's interesting. I said, I'm going to put on her, her opponent, too. The, the woman she ran against for the nomination, for, yeah. for the you know GOP nomination. Anyway, we put them both on. She she was a star. It was very obvious. And instead of being a drag on the GOP's chances out there, she's she's a star. And I do think she's going to win, and I think she's going to take Blake Masters over the finish line with her. No one's going to split the ticket between Carrie Lake and Blake Masters. Why don't you like Blake Masters? If you don't like him, maybe you say he's an election denier. Well, if you're voting for Carrie Lake, that's not a problem for you. So I think it's going to be a good night for the GOP in Arizona. In New Hampshire, I don't know. I, she Hassan's not exciting. She's not popular. 
She's got big name recognition, but I still feel, kind of feel like Bullock is going to win. I wow. have to say, I know real clear, real clear politics move that back to blue uh, today. They, they had been suggesting that she could lose and they're now feeling more bullish on her, but if forced to pick between one of them, I think I'd say Bullock is going to pull this out. Wow. So you really are expecting a complete bloodbath tonight. What about um, Oz and Fetterman, specifically in the state of Pennsylvania? That is a state in which I think uh, Team Blue has a better chance. Fetterman. I just think, you know, yeah, I think Fetterman's going to win. It's going to be so tight. So this is all, you know, I could be wrong on all these. But I really, if I had to bet, I'd say Fetterman because Oz is not connected with the voters. And I like Oz. Don't get me wrong. He's kind of, I'm friendly with him. But he's too slick. And those Pennsylvania voters, they love Trump. And you know why they love Trump? Because he had a way of appealing to the working class in a way very few politicians do. That's why the Dems went with Fetterman. They thought he could, despite the fact that he's far left, that he had a working man appeal to him. And I think he still has that. And Oz has never been able to get there. You know, his gaffes about Wegner's and crudite and (laughs) he's drinking red wine at the tailgate. Like, who can relate to that? You know, I I think it's going to hurt him. Uh, What about Georgia? Lots of folks, Megyn Kelly, they're predicting a runoff and Herschel Walker eventually wins. What do you see down in that state? I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, that it, there yeah. will be a runoff because, you know, there's this third-party spoiler and no one's going to get over 50%. Yep. Uh, it, I mean, if he wins it clean outright tonight, my God, we're talking GOP title wave. Um, <laughs> but I think that's right. I think he'll probably win because I think the GOP is probably going to win the Senate, almost certainly going to win the Senate. And then when you have the GOP or you have the runoff in Georgia, the Democratic voters are going to be feeling depressed. The, you know, it's not like power's not going to be on the line. And the GOP will be motivated, and, and uh, he'll win. Before I get to the New York gubernatorial race, Megan Kelly, this Michigan race has me very intrigued. I like this Tudor Dixon, maybe because I don't like Gretchen Whitmer, but I really like this Tudor Dixon. I've seen her on TV a bunch the last couple of weeks, and, of course, she has the same policies that I've got, so it makes it easy. But, I don't know, she, she's kind of funny. She's glib. Looks like she's having a really good time. Gretchen looks miserable all the time. What's your thoughts on the Michigan gubernatorial race? So I just talked to Tudor Dixon yesterday, and she is dynamic and interesting. She doesn't quite have the Carrie Lake star factor thing going, but she's not too far away from it. Um, I do think Michiganders love Gretchen Whitmer. I'm confused by it, Sid. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I was just out there in Detroit, and uh, I was out there with a friend who's a Democrat who's from Detroit and another friend who's a Republican who's from Detroit. And uh, they both kind of liked, quote, Big Gretch. (laughs) I know it's anecdotal, but I'm just saying, like, the locals seem to feel differently about her, notwithstanding the insanity of the COVID lockdowns. So I'm I'm less confident in Tudor Dixon, but uh, who the hell knows? The one we care about most is right here, Lee Zeldin, very good friend of mine. I'll be with him later on tonight. Been on this show every week now for the better part of three months leading up to today's election, Megyn Kelly, and going up against uh, Kathy Hochul, who's been there since Andrew Cuomo left uh, in uh, in disgrace. Uh, your thoughts on this race today? Zeldin getting closer, getting closer, getting closer, but still folks in the middle hesitant to say that he's got enough to win. What do you think? I know. I mean, we had the Trafalgar poll that put him one point up. Yeah. And then we had another poll that put her nine points up. Yep. I mean, listen, this is the closest that the GOP has been in years to seeing GOP leadership at the top. I mean, so- literally 16 years since Pataki won, Megan. 
Yes. And I mean, I'm, I'm 51 now. I, I lived my entire life, but, you know, one or two years in the state of New York, Western New York, Central New York, upstate New York and New York City. I, I think this city is ready for GOP leadership. I mean, this state, I really do believe that the, the populace is ready to do it. I went home to visit my mom in Albany covered in Zeldin signs. <laughs> Zeld, I mean, Albany's yeah. blue. Albany's blue. Yeah. Um, covered in Zeldin signs. I just think the crime rate is so ridiculous. The COVID lockdown policies here were so absurd. And especially in upstate, they're reasonable. They're more Midwestern. This, it is not New York City. And I think they're sick of it. I if I have to put money on it, I realize the smart bet is the Dem, but I would put the money on Zeldin. I yeah. think their internal polls are showing good things. There's a there's energy behind him. There's momentum behind him. And I'll say this. If Zeldin doesn't win, I think the state of New York is still going to owe that guy a huge debt yep. because I do think the GOP enthusiasm he's generated is going to pull several congressional races over to the red side. Well, we're all going to move, though, so it's not going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and go see my friend Ron DeSantis down in Florida. So, Megan, let's get to that potential race coming up in 2023-24 uh, before the presidential race. And that is Republican versus Republican. Some say it'll be a lot messier than, let's say, Trump versus Biden or Trump versus Buttigieg. This potential Trump versus DeSantis race. How bloody do you think does that get? I, I said this before, and I stand by it. I think the only winning move for Ron DeSantis is not to play. Don't I play. really don't right. think he Because he, he, can't, he has I no chance. Think... He, he can't beat him. He, 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 you can't see DeSantis, Megan, in Iowa, in New Hampshire, in South Carolina beating Donald Trump. I mean, no way. He, he's not going to. He's not going to. And Trump will make a bloody mess out of him and dam, damage him badly for the next run. And there's no reason for Ron DeSantis to try to challenge Trump. He could wait another four to eight years and be fine as a young man. Trump is the 800-pound gorilla. No one can stop Trump but Trump. And if Trump were challenged by DeSantis and DeSantis somehow managed to beat Trump in the GOP primary, mm. what do you think the hardcore MAGA voters are going to do? They're not going to go vote for Ron DeSantis. They're going to be ticked off, and they're not going to vote for him. They're going to be spoilers. There's no way forward for the GOP if Trump decides to run other than to nominate Trump. Period. Do you see anybody the left can nominate outside of Michelle Obama who's not going to run? Do you see anybody, don't give me Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg or Gavin Newsom, that would give Trump a race? Michelle Obama is the only name that I've right. said as well, Sid, so we're right. on the same page. No, I mean, I, if I were running the Democrat Party, I, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but I might go with somebody like an Amy Klobuchar. Like the studious librarian who's kind of going to yell at you from time to time, but she's not going to do anything too crazy. You know, like I wouldn't go slick, hard left Gavin Newsom. I try to do like the she's boring and she's reasonable, if not inspirational. I think that might be kind of an interesting contrast. She's from the craziest state in this country, Minnesota. <laughs> They are crazy people. She's Minnesota nice, notwithstanding what we heard about her stabbing her salad with a comb. Right, exactly. And by the way, my first cousin, you like this, uh, Megan, is Norm Coleman. And he lives in Minnesota, but he's a Brooklyn kid. Yeah, my first cousin, yeah. But he's a Brooklyn kid at heart. So, hey, listen, uh, I'm really happy for your success. The podcast is doing great. XM Sirius tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., Channel 111, the Triumph channel and on youtube as well and i hope you keep coming back because i'm a big fan megan kelly you were great this morning thank you so much anytime thank you so much for having me you got it take care folks there she is megan kelly her first visit to this program bernie and sid in the morning she was terrific lots more to come 
Andrew Giuliani and Laura Cohen will be back. But first, you know her, A.J. Katsimatidis, not just John's daughter, but a force in the Republican Party. She will join us at the very top of the next hour. Very exciting fourth and final hour coming up with me, Sid Rosenberg, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sunny Tuesday morning, Election Day in New York City. We're going to bring back Andrew Giuliani and Laura Curran next segment. And we've had some great guests already today, Jennifer Harrison, Bo Deedle, and certainly Megan Kelly. But my next guest is special because she's a close personal family friend, happens to be the daughter of the man who owns this station, John Katzmatidis, Andrea A.J. Katzmatidis. She's a chair of the Manhattan Republican Party and vice chair of the New York State Republican Party in charge of representing all of New York City, a power, a force as a young lady in the Republican Party here in New York. I'm thrilled to have her. A.J., it's Sid. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. You're all enthusiastic. I love that. And that's not phony. Like, I know you, and, you know, I've seen you come to baseball games after meeting with Republicans in the city, and you're all fired up and all excited. So when you come on with that vim and vigor, AJ, that's how you feel on this election day. You're excited, yes? Oh, yeah, especially today. I am very excited for what's going to happen. We have been on the streets talking to voters with our candidates. And I've got to tell you, I have never seen this kind of energy on the ground, and I'm feeling really optimistic. Okay, so tell me then, because you have been on the streets, you've been campaigning out there, talking to folks like you just said, AJ. I know this is difficult. We've been trying to get this number all morning long from a bunch of folks. What is your opinion, percentage of New York City that Lee Zeldin will get? Percentage of New York City. So this is an exciting one, because as you know, the rest of New York State is red. And the reason why New York hasn't flipped red in the past is because of the density out of New York City, and it's very tough to get votes out of New York City traditionally. But because of the crime, we are seeing a lot more voters voting Republican at numbers we've never seen out of the city. So that is going to look good for us in terms of uh, bringing our numbers up. And I'm thinking that we're going to get a third of the vote out of New York City, 33 percent. 
If you get 33%, if you're right on that number, A.J., he's going to win. He has estimated somewhere between 30 and 35. So if you're right, he gets one-third of the city. It'll look very, very good for Lee to get the win. By the way, congratulations on being reelected to Manhattan chair. That's, uh, that's very exciting. So congrats on that. Uh, let me move over to Thank the you. – you're welcome – to these uh, just the, the city in general, A.J., because, again, we're all expecting this big red wave above and beyond the gubernatorial races – there is uh, obviously assembly races and Senate races, and lots of folks believe not just in New York but around the country it's going to be a huge red wave. I know you feel the same way, yes? Oh, yes. I absolutely think that we're going to see that. I think we're going to pick up a lot of seats in the U.S. Senate. We're going to pick up a number of seats in Congress. And even, like, in New York, we're going to pick up, you know, Stefano Forte in Queens who probably win his state Senate seat. Uh, we're going to pick up a number of congressional seats. You know, we, we might have Lawler in Congress, Colin Schmidt, and it's exciting to see this kind of energy behind the Republican Party, both um, in the state, in our city, and across the nation. I want to ask you about the attorney general race. Uh, Michael Henry's been on my show a couple of times. I got to know him. He actually does a podcast with my friend Krisha Lenzo. You may know Krisha AJ. She, is, uh, she runs the Republican Club, the Metropolitan Republican Club on the Upper East Side. And I was on their podcast about a year ago, got to know Michael. Then he runs up against Letitia James and Andrew Giuliani on record on this show this morning saying he thinks Henry's going to beat Letitia James. What do you think about that? I agree. I think that he is going to win. And, you know, out of all the statewide candidates, his polling has consistently been the highest. He was the first person to poll over the Democrats and uh, be a point ahead. So, you know, that being said, everyone just needs to get out to vote. We need every vote that we can. We can't have another New Jersey happen uh, where people didn't think that they could win in New Jersey. And so a lot of people stayed home and we lost by one point. The polling is showing that we are even closer. We are so close here in New York. And I think that we're going to win, but everyone needs to turn out and vote today. Polls are open till 9 p.m. Let me ask you about races that we don't win, A.J. Katsimatidis. I don't think, for example, Joe Pinion is going to beat Chuck Schumer. But at the very least, I think you'd agree, A.J., that Joe Pinion, during this campaign at least, really exposed Chuck Schumer to be the lifelong politician, doesn't really care that he is. Kind of the same thing with Tina Forte and uh, AOC. Do you agree that in some of these races, even if we don't win, at least our candidates exposed the other side, A.J., for what they are? It's true. And, you know, like, and I say this all the time in Manhattan, because obviously you're not going to go from getting like 10 percent of the vote to 50 percent of the vote overnight. And it's about building and getting people to hear the message. And, you know, you're going to do better next time if you continue to build on these gains and build the party. But I got to say about Joe Pinion, because I nominated him. He is a fantastic candidate. His debate was the best debate I have ever seen, and it should be seen across America. If you haven't seen this debate, you have to watch it because he made the case perfectly. It was a perfect debate. I agree with you. I thought uh, he was also the most impressive. He shellacked, I mean shellacked Chuck Schumer that Sunday night up in Rochester. And you're right, that should be shown. It uh, just had a debate in high schools all across the country. A.J. Katsimatidis is the chair of the Manhattan Republican Party, also the vice chair of the New York State 
Republican Party. Let me just do this once today. I haven't done it yet. It's been a very positive morning, AJ. Andrew's excited. Even Laura, she's a Democrat. She's admitting that they're about to get beat pretty badly, Democrats. Let me take this stance just once. What if we're wrong? And what if, in the end, this red wave doesn't happen? Again, I think it's going to also. I think the odds are very, very good. What if it doesn't? What does that mean for the future of your party? Uh, I mean, unfortunately for our state, things are going to get a lot worse. Uh, The crime would get a lot worse. And, you know, then it would just say that we haven't reached the tipping point yet. And Uh unfortunately, as things get worse, then uh, the tipping point will go further and further in our direction. So um, hopefully we don't have to take any more pain in our state between the crime and the regulations and inflation. And, uh, yeah, I'm just hoping for her state's sake. No, it is for the state's sake and the country's. You know, uh, and by, the country, yeah. right, you know, Kathy Hochul thinks you're evil, AJ, because you're a woman. Now, I'm a pro-choice guy. I'm a Republican uh, but when it comes to some of the social stuff, I'm pretty liberal, right? I'm, I'm for gay marriage. I'm pro-choice. But I'm more worried about what happens on a daily basis with the economy, with crime, with safety. So I consider myself a Republican, even though I'm pretty liberal when it comes to some of these social issues. But she can, considers you an evil person, an evil lady, because you clearly don't care about other women. If you don't vote for her, then you're pro-life and you don't care about women and their bodies and the reproduction cycle and all that nonsense. What would you say to Kathy Hochul if, if she actually did say to you, hey, AJ, you're a woman. What's the matter with you? Well, I think that she's trying to use this as air cover because she can't run on her record. And I would say that uh, that's not what's on the ballot uh, today, because even Delvin has come out and said he's not touching it. That's right. Abortion is always going to be legal in New York State. That law is not changing. So, you know, she's running there for air cover, but nothing is going to be changed for abortion. What is on the ballot is crime. And on day one, Zeldin is going to declare a crime emergency and get rid of cashless bail and get rid of D.A. Alvin Bragg to make our city and our state safe again. He actually made an excuse yesterday for Kathy Hochul, uh, Kathy Hochul for Alvin Bragg. She said, it's not the D.A.'s fault. This crime is happening everywhere. Every major city is having these crime issues. So why blame it on Alvin Bragg? She actually said that, A.J., yesterday, which is which is hard to believe. But talking about crime, tell me about this. It's interesting. It's an app. I think it's called Citizen or something. And it actually tracks crime in real time. I know you know about this. Uh, what are New Yorkers saying about this app that tracks crime in real time yeah so this app is amazing because it'll alert me to shootings and stabbings and i've never seen this before in my area i've lived in new york city my whole life and i it it makes me feel safer that i know that this stuff is happening around me so i can avoid it but when you go to the comments section of the app everyone says vote for Zeldin. i'm tired Hmm. of this Hmm. and it's crazy to see this sentiment shift in New York that people know what has to be done. You know, I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. I know you know that, AJ. And I couldn't wait to get back to New York. And I got the dream job with Bernie in 2016. I've been back in New York ever since. I never want to leave. Maybe one day when I'm really old, go to California. But, you know, I still love New York, even though we've got all these issues right now. You spent some time, like I've done in the past, in Miami. 
uh, DeSantis is down there. Uh, when you're down there, do you do you have any of the same safety issues you've got here in New York, or is it night and day? Miami, Florida, New York City, New York. You know, it is night and day, and I think they just came out with some numbers to say that Miami's crime is the lowest in their city's history. Wow. So by having a Republican mayor and they have a Republican governor, they have been able to diminish crime to its lowest levels. And I feel way safer when I'm there. And, you know, especially during the pandemic, it was a completely different world going down there. And uh, psychologically, it really hit you being up here. And you've got uh, Ron DeSantis down there, and, of course, we've got Hochul now here. We had Andrew Cuomo before that, and I can't help but alert people. Cuomo says all the right things today, but let's not forget, he was the guy that signed cashless bail into effect. He's the guy. He was the bad guy. All those people died in nursing homes. So don't be confused. Cuomo has all the right things to say now, but he was a complete disaster and a bad guy when he was in office. Not the case with DeSantis down in Florida. Are you leaning towards maybe DeSantis if he runs? Once against Trump for the presidential race, or are you not there yet because right now you're concentrating on New York today? I am concentrating on New York today, but I am a loyal Trump supporter through and through. Me too. And I just had this conversation, AJ, with uh, with um, uh, Megyn Kelly. She was just on, and we both agreed that as popular as DeSantis is down in the state of Florida, and he's great, and Republicans like him in general, he would get not beaten, he would get destroyed by Donald Trump if he ran today. So I really think it's in Ron DeSantis' best interest to not run, let these four years go by, and then come into play because he could be a a force, but Trump will kill him today. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, you know, he's so young, and he's doing such a great job as governor of Florida. I would hate to lose him down there as one of the best governors that we have. And Trump has this momentum and this energy magnetism and i think that's going to carry through uh to the election and i think you're right um trump would absolutely win in that fight all right so in the end aj katsimatidis sid rosenberg your father john katsimatidis your beautiful mom margo uh my wife danielle we all feel the same a beautiful wife we all want lee zeldin to win we want him to win but when it's said and done later on tonight assuming it is over later on tonight aj is Lee Zeldin the next governor of New York? I think he is. You do? Based on everything that I'm hearing, and I've never heard this out of New York City before. There are so many people that have never voted Republican, and they are motivated, and they are out, and their safety is at stake, and they're going for Zeldin. Well, I hope you're right. I really do, AJ. Once again, congratulations on being reelected as a Manhattan chair. All the great work you do inside the city, AJ. All the great work you do for a party inside the state. And I couldn't think of a better ambassador than you. So congratulations. Thank you for hopping on this morning. Come back more often, and let's celebrate a Lee Zeldin win tomorrow. How does that sound? Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. You got it, AJ. Nice to talk to you. There she is, AJ Katsimatidis. That's a very, very impressive young lady. Once again, the chair of the Manhattan Republican Party and the vice chair of the New York State Republican Party. I always say the best work me and Danielle did was Ava and Gabriel. And how about a round of applause for John Jr. and AJ? The job that John and Margo have done with their kids. Two really spectacular children. Congrats to both of you guys. When I come back, Andrew Giuliani and Laura Curran will be back in studio and we'll break it down for you for the final 40 minutes 
until Brian Kilmeade comes your way. Keep it right here with me, Sid, on Election Day, only on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm not about um, women. Laura Curran, as co-hosted the show today. AJ Katsimatidis was just fantastic. Megan Kelly was great. I forgot. 940, Cara Castronova will join us. Cara coming in hot. Coming in hot. Running on uh, Long, Long Island. Much. You know Cara, Laura? She's running. What is she on, running for? Assembly State person. Assembly. Mm. Yeah. What, uh, what's, what town She's been she? everywhere. She has been. She has been absolutely everywhere. She, uh, she hangs out with uh, John Tobacco, who uh, hosts uh, Wise Guys on Newsmax, which you don't watch, I'm sure, Laura. So. John, I'm going to start. John, <laughs> John Tobacco said to me earlier today that lines are around the corner on the south shore of Staten Island right there. You know what's even odder than now? that? Yep. Susan Brown Otto. Forget about Staten Island. Susan Brown Otto, my friend from Bethel, New York, where my mother lives. Yeah. Literally one mile away from Yasgur's farm, the original yes. side of Woodstock, at Duggan High School at 6 a.m. this morning, lines around the corner. Yeah. You're talking about by Monticello. Yeah. Forget about Staten Island. So there seems to be a statewide enthusiasm to get, uh, to get in today, and hopefully that enthusiasm means a uh, Lee Zeldin win. So you guys uh, disappeared for about 40 minutes when I talked to Megan and uh, AJ, but You've done a tremendous job all morning long, both of you, of breaking down these races and and uh, giving real reasons as to why certain candidates may or may not win. But let's get back to the big one. Governor here in New York, Hochul and Zeldin, you are on record pretty much here now, Laura, saying that uh, you don't think the Democrats have done a very good job. And at the very least, at the very least, without predicting a finish, have left the door wide open for a Zeldin win. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Yes. And one thing that we haven't talked about that Andrew and I were talking about the break, and I don't want to put your your listeners Mm -hmm. to sleep with this, but the Environmental Bond Act is on the ballot. $4.2 billion bond for environmental stuff. Oh, now explain this. So so this is a a bond. So the voters are being asked to approve $4.2 billion loan to pay for clean water, climate, you know, resisting climate change, jobs, et cetera. Renewable energy, all all this all this stuff. Uh, this is seen as sort of a liberal kind of mm-hmm. issue, but Politico quotes Zeldin as saying that he is going to vote for it. It's called Proposal One. That he's actually going to vote for it, which is counterintuitive. Um, he touted his environmental creds, and he said he trusts a Zeldin administration to spend the money wisely. Very confident move by him, saying, "Hey, I'm voting yes because I'm going to be able to control these purse strings." And Long Island. Politicians of both parties are generally very good on the environment because it's an island. It's mm-hmm. a very vulnerable place, so they know that it's politically smart. But, yeah, it is a power move as well. Yeah, it is. And uh, I'll tell you, in the break, while we had the last 40 minutes or so, 
Uh, I spoke to my uh, polling aficionado, if you will. Okay. Uh, he got some more updates on this past weekend. the same guy in the early morning 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 same guy. Yeah. New news. Confidential. New news. I got to keep him confidential. Very important. Okay. But he is doubling down on his prediction that Lee Zeldin tonight or tomorrow will be named the governor-elect. Okay, now why is he doubling down? What is happening? He's he's doubling down because, first off, he saw the absentee ballots that were requested. That hasn't changed since we spoke last. But he did see the, quote, surge that has been claimed uh, in early voting in person. So he had assessed the first seven days, but he didn't didn't actually look at Saturday and Sunday yet because he didn't have the numbers. So this morning he was able to look at Saturday and Sunday. While there was a surge, it was not as much as he had expected Hmm. in his actual models right there, basically saying that Zeldin is in a perfect place going into Election Day. If he hits the numbers that he needs to hit on Election Day, that the Democrats have not done the damage that they need to for early voting and for absentee ballots. So Zeldin is in a good position with two of the three different ways down that Hochul can gain votes. But getting that news out there now, do you think if Democratic voters and Democratic leaders are hearing this, they're like, holy crap, we're going to do everything we can yeah, now to get, quiet, people, what are you doing? to get our people out. They're, they're going to double yeah, down well, I, I and make, run more I scared. Sure, I want to make sure that those Republicans also that are think that it may, I, I don't know if there are any Republicans right now. I certainly haven't talked to many of them that are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to vote or Complacent, anything like that. Right. Get out and vote. Make yeah. sure yeah. that you tell your friends to get out and vote. That vote can mean the difference. That group of votes can mean the difference. Don't be complacent now. You've got eight and, uh, what do we have, 12 and a half hours to, uh, to save the state yeah. at this point. Good so math. Get you out want, there and do You want to do because math is pretty know. good. Eight and a half, 12 and a half, uh, 17, yeah. I don't know. If Hunkel does lose this, and um, his guy is right, okay, this is a, a pretty big collapse. She was an 18-point lead. Heads will lead. be exploding right. so statewide. Is this because if she does lose... Is this because Lee Zeldin presented his message so well or because – and don't tell me it's a little bit of both because I understand that. Which is more, <laughs> Lee Zeldin did a good job of presenting his message or Kathy Hochul was relatively pathetic in her campaign? I'm not going to say she was pathetic. I will. I, I, I think <laughs> she's been unflappable. She's been steady. Right. Good, I don't, good enough to lose an 18-point lead. I don't know if she's gotten great <laughs> advice from the consultants. The yeah. Rose Garden strategy maybe wasn't the way to go. Yeah. But on for just for Zeldin, has he he has not made a mistake. He has run a very strong, aggressive campaign on the issues that people care about with no gaffes. Wow. All right, there you have it. That's a very and honest assessment objective. right there. Yeah. yeah, that's a very honest assessment. I know you would agree because he beat you on you. you yeah. uh, most people that I talked to, including Laura, by the way, off the record, now it's on the record, said that of <laughs> all... got to be careful what you say to sit off the record. <laughs> oh, it ends up on Note the air. Yeah. Of all four, Harry Wilson, Astorino, you and Lee, she thought, and I thought, quite frankly, that you were the most impressive, and he did beat you. Yeah. So Your that performance means... was very good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I just saw how well he was able to turn out voters, specifically in Suffolk and Nassau, but also in other areas where I think one of the other battlegrounds, we talked about Westchester, we've obviously talked about his advantage in Long Island, her advantage, although it may not be coming out in New York City, but Erie County is going to be one to watch. She's obviously from Buffalo, but you have the state party chairman, uh, uh, Langworthy, who's yeah. up there running right now. So he's he is going to be pushing his Republicans out there. Oh, to vote. Is that today that's, too? That's today Him versus too. Paladino. That's to, well, Paladino. Oh, he, he beat, beat him Paladino. Right, right, right. So I actually don't even know the name of the guy he's Either running against. Langworthy will win that race and probably should win by double digits, uh, but. Again, it's one of those things. He's going to have to get his guys out there to vote for Zeldin. If Zeldin can actually take Erie County, uh, then that's another feather in Zeldin's Mm. cap in a place where Hochul, it's home for Hochul.
It's mm-hmm. home. When you look at these uh, Long Island races, specifically, we've talked about a few of these, Santos and uh, Zimmerman, Desposito, Lolata probably taking over Lee Zeldin's seat on Long he's, Island. And he's running against Bridget Fleming. Right. Who, you know, she's from out there. She's a legislator. She, she's, I think she was an ADA. I mean, she's a very strong candidate also. Yeah. But the mood. Where is it going to? Where is it going to? Well, gonna, he's going to win. He's going to win. Uh, by the way, it's great having you here because you actually know the names of the other. Like, well, like they're <laughs> talking. I mean, girl. I know some girl. And for the record, is Jackie Gordon running yeah. against Garbarino? There you go, Jackie Gordon. We know Bridget Fleming. We yeah. know Gillen. Laura Gillen, my go. girl. Right, the prop. Right. So did you read about the thing? The prop, the yeah, thing, that the, guy. the race yeah. the, with like the guy. Mike, Mike Francesi should go number eleven. Number eleven. I don't know his name, but what race for you though? Uh, is the one that you're really, really keeping your eye on on Long Island, maybe close to your home. It's Laura Gillen That's versus D'Esposito. And, uh, Do you yeah. like D'Esposito, too? You just you... you know, I've always gotten along with him. That's what I figured. I was in I politics that. and, yep. you know, always, you know, perfectly nice conversations. You know, he always been very down to earth and normal with me. But uh, Laura is, I think she will be very independent. I think she will. But as you said before, maybe that's not what people want. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that's yeah. one that, that, that I'm going to be watching. You, you get along with everybody, though. Right. I remember. I mean, I find common ground she, with yeah. pretty much anyone you, I talk she to. She gets along with anybody. She I gets mean, along great with me. About that, Let me you tell know? you something. When she was running against Blakeman, and I did a lot of Blakeman's events, a lot of them, and Ann Donnelly. Who ended up beating your friend Todd Kaminsky, and they both won because of me. I'm going to say that right off the bat. Uh, but a couple of events I did for her too. In fact, one day Laura invited me. It was lovely to Eisenhower Park. It was a Veterans Day day parade. Yeah, and all these veterans were in Eisenhower Park. I mean, hundreds. Uh, Andrew, it was a folks. wonderful barbecue. It was yeah. great, and you yeah. had those, those girls who sing like the Andrews Sisters. What yeah. are their names again? I love those girls. Yeah, I forgot. They're at the Veterans Day Parade every year too. Yeah, and and I met your mom, who's a lovely. I know she listens every day from South Carolina. Yeah, she I love loves her. you. And I remember leaving that day and going, I don't know if going to win, but I genuinely like Laura Curran. Like you're a likable person. I don't get that from Kathy Hochul. I, I know you get you emphasize your, your, your empathy, blah blah blah. blah. I don't <laughs> get that from Kathy Hochul. Uh, I got that from you. I think if Democrats had more folks like you, likable, relatable, they would fare better. Well, that's that, my opinion. That's very nice of you to say. And I think whatever party you're with, when you're a politician, and I think you could second mm-hmm. this emotion, you gotta relate to people, and you have to show them that you respect them. Yeah, and that you don't disdain them. Yeah. And I think a couple times Hochul's made some big mistakes on this, whether it's through misspeaking or not. And this is something that, you know, if she does lose tonight, will come back to bite her. When she first off said in the debate, I don't know why it's so important to you with regarding crime. <laughs> right? All right. And then, and then I got also, a bone to pick and, with that. And, well, and then also, but, what, but one other thing, and also saying with the mandates, I would do it all over again. She there did is, say that. There, yeah. are still, there are still New York City cops, firefighters, teachers, nurses who we bang pots and pans for that don't have their job right now. After the CDC director said that this does not prevent transmission, yeah. to say that she would do it all over again shows that she is out of touch, I think, with so many New Yorkers. And I think that's why you're seeing... So many independents, so many Democrats that are coming out and saying, you know what? You are out of touch with what we believe in in this What is this bone to pick you've got now with what he said about So when she said, I don't know why that's so important to you, in the context of it, and I have not spoken to her about this. Right. But I think what she meant to say, she's like, we're doing this about guns. We're doing this on crime, this, this, Mm. and this. Mm. And I think what she meant to say, I don't know why that's so confusing for you. Yeah, but her but, team should have cleaned it up. Uh, her team never yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, I mean the context of it, I, I think mean, it was it, a miss. But, but it shows how important it is that what you say yeah. really makes I mean, a difference. You, and, you did kind of convince me, to your credit, I'm going to give you credit, you convinced me this morning on the Sean Patrick Maloney, yeah. Chef Boy or D comment. Yeah. 
you lose on this one. Because once you hear it. Okay. Hulk, Hulk or you lose. So you we're can't, not going to agree on everything. You, you can't <laughs> use the wrong word and say, I meant to say. Can't and she's not word. saying it. I'm just intuiting no. that. And yeah. I, no, you're probably right. I think, I think so because matter. that would have not been something that she would say. It's a, it does it, sound tone deaf. I just think it was like, eh, you, you know got what? the wrong it, word. It, it, the problem is it aligns with the way that she's campaigned, where crime has not been an important issue in her campaign. So it did align with that in terms of that. So that's why it's yeah. – I understand the argument you're but making. But maybe that's and why you may it be resonated. Right. That's, and yeah. that's probably why it resonated. That probably is. All right, guys. We've got Kara Casanova coming up next. She's in Valley Stream in Elmont. I believe that's District 22. You know where that is. It's not far from you. Is it far from you? No, not at all. Okay, so she'll join us coming up at 940. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, 945 Election Day. Laura Curran and Andrew Giuliani have been just so amazing today. I, I, I just can't say it enough. I, I've Good loved this music whole show. today, too. Every song has been on point. Yeah, we do that. Me and Lou Rufino pick uh, all the songs. We actually uh, spend a lot of time on that. Because, <laughs> no, we feel like, the, and, and we've talked about yeah. this. Andrew, too, loves it, too. Kind of the, the mood of the show, mm. where the show is. So we, uh, we spend a lot of time doing that. People have said to me, I miss you to break like a Christmas album. Are you going to ever do a best of music for the show, Sid, you and Lou, when I've thought about it? So thank you for uh, pointing that out. Our next guest is running in District 22 out on Long Island. That's Valley Stream in Elmont. She is uh, Cara Casanova. She's running today. She's been on the show a bunch of times. John Tobacco, her buddy, host of uh, Wise Guys on Newsmax, also a dear friend of both me and Andrew. Cara is a a former boxer Mm. and uh, also is out there representing folks who, for some reason... While guys have committed 10 vicious felonies are on the streets, these guys are still in jail because they entered the Capitol back on January 6th, which makes no sense. Anyway, here she is, Kara Kashanova. Kara, good morning. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Hey, nice to have you. Uh, Happy election day to you. So let me ask you this. Former boxer, I see all of your Twitter, uh, you know, your ads on Twitter. You're running down the street like Rocky and all that stuff. And you think being a boxer helps you on a day like today that, I don't know, extra punch? <laughs> it definitely does. It's always like you're always thinking boxing. This is the last round. I got to go out there. So this is the last round today. So I'm going around to all the different polling places. We stand 100 feet away. And we could, I just realized this today because I'm new. You could still go to the polling places as long as you're 100 feet away. So um, I'm going to be doing that all day. I'm actually going to go vote for myself when we get off the phone here, which I never thought I would do. I'm walking down to the firehouse. A couple blocks away, I voted there my whole life, and I'm going to be on the ballot. So it's pretty exciting. And my aunt, I'm dropping off her absentee. She lives uh, over here with me, and she voted for me. She voted Republican for the first time. She's a Democrat. So, hi, Kara. It's Laura. Uh, conventional wisdom has it that uh, I believe your opponent is Mikhail Salaj. And that, excuse my language, but that she's going to kick your ass. Oh, my God. Because she's she's got, they've got, you know, there's a, she's got a machine. She has people. They've got the community who is very loyal to her and really likes her. And I'm I'm just saying what I'm hearing out there in the world. What do you say to people, like, if when you're raising money and you're campaigning and you're like, Mikhail Salaj, no, you know, we can't go against her. 
How do you combat that? Show us your boxing skills well, now, Kara. Come on, Kara. Bob and weave. Let, let me tell you something. That might have been the deal when you were back when you were in office bar, which was a few years ago when we met. I actually interviewed you when I worked for uh, uh, Verizon Fires. But oh, it is not yes, yes, of course. That is yes, I met you. So that's not the deal anymore. People might have said they were loyal to her some years ago. People are sick of her, tired of her. She has done nothing but nothing for this community. Literally, the community center. She promised. She put everything she promises to the residents. She comes back two years later, and makes up the same uh, promises. The Muslim community is behind us this year, which are straight, we're straight up. Wow, that's a big deal. Big deal. They are fed up with her. Um, a lot of the other uh, communities, even the ones that she lives in, have said, you know what, I don't like her. I don't like her. That's This is just what I'm hearing. I haven't met anyone that was enthusiastic to vote for her. She's been getting by all these years because she has, the, like you know this, she has the D on her name. She's a Democrat in a Democrat area. I haven't met a single independent that said they're voting uh, Democrat this year. I've met a number of Democrats of all races, all sexes, religions who are saying they're voting Republican this year. Never have yet to meet a person unless they're one of her interns, one of her volunteers, which are very few, by the way, and one of her um, family members, actually, that I walked up to that actually said that they like her. So that's the honest to God's truth. I don't know how she's been in here for 10 years, but this year I think she's running scared. She had Mayor Adams out here with her um, pandering. She, I think she was even out here with Kathy Hochul. And they're, they're, their names hold no weight here in Elmont. Like, we don't like Kathy Hochul over here. Uh, none of the Democrats even like her. Uh, you know, they are, she's not as popular as you were, Laura. Definitely not. Kara, I, I know, and I've seen you on the campaign trail since the start, and there's there's not a more tireless worker than you are and what you've been able to put in. So kudos to you wherever this race ends up tonight. You should feel very proud of where you are. Uh, but you, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Kathy Hochul not being popular. Uh, you know, so much of what people talk about is how the top of the ticket helps those people that are, you know, not a, that are the bottom of the ticket right there, those running for state assembly, running for state senate, running for Congress right there. But I'm a big believer that really it's those people in the community, someone like yourself who does work hard. They see a Republican going from district to district, from town to town, from door to door, and you end up helping the top of the ticket. How what, what do you think the the, uh, the the fusion between you, Zeldin, Pinion and other candidates has been throughout the campaign? Well, I think that we, we definitely on the lower tickets help because we're in the communities. We're going door to door to door. We're changing the perception of what a Republican is. You know, I'm an ethnic uh, minority female, and most of my volunteers who don't get paid, unlike Solage's volunteers, uh, that's not called them volunteers, are mostly, you know, of different races. So we go out there, and people automatically, we're knocking on doors, oh, well, I'm, I'm voting Republican. Sorry, they think we're Democrats, and they say, no, we're Republicans. And they're always like, wow, that's so good to see because I think that a lot of people have this misconception of what a Republican is. But literally, um, the majority of my volunteers, African-American, Asian, Muslim, all different races. And um, I think that's refreshing for the community to see and makes them feel like they're more welcome in the Republican Party, which they are and always have been. So that's like the the myth I'm trying to break. And I think I'm really helping doing out here when I'm walking around with my volunteers knocking on Democrat doors for them to see that and listen, because we're people that are telling them, listen, you know, the Republican Party welcomes you. We want you in our party. We, We like, please give us a chance. Vote for us. And that's one of the biggest things I want to change. Um, you know, whatever happens with this election, I will be victorious, by the way, and I'm going to use the platform to uh, embrace more minorities um, and make them feel like they're welcome in the Republican Party because the Democrat Party has told them for too long that, that, that they're their friend when it's actually the opposite. You have uh, run a great campaign. You really have, Kara. It's been fun having you on all these months. You've uh, put yourself in a position where you have more than a 
puncher's chance at winning this fight today. So <laughs> more than a puncher's chance. More than that. Go out there and uh, win. We wish you the best of luck. Either way, you're terrific. Best to uh, Johnny, and we'll talk to you after you get the win. How does that sound? And everybody get out and vote, 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 vote. You have to get a ton of your friends out to vote here in Nassau County. It is so important. Republicans are charged up. Get out the door, go vote, bring your friends and family. That's the message I want to leave everyone with that. That is a great Kara, message. Great job. Good luck. Good luck, Kara Casanova. We're going to come back. Andrew Giuliani, Laura Curran, and Sid Rosenberg with our final thoughts on these big races here in New York. Thank you for joining us this morning. We come back and wrap it up right here on Election Day only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, it's been a great show. It really has. All of our guests were terrific today. Cara Castronova, AJ Katsimatidis, Megan Kelly, Bo Deedle, and uh, Jennifer Harrison. Final words. Let's start with you. Your final thoughts, Andrew Giuliani. We need New York to get back in the groove, and that's what this is all about. Look, uh, I've seen Lee Zeldin over the last 18 months run an incredible campaign. Uh, this, We know the issues. We know what's on the ballot. We know it's crime. We know it's the economy. We know who actually will do something about that. That's Lee Zeldin. That's why you need to get out and vote. If you have somebody for some reason is on the fence about going out and vote, get to their place. Drag them to the booth. Make sure you get everybody out there. This is about our children's future at this point and the future of the state of New York. House and Senate, both Republican or just one? Both Republican. Okay. Laura Curran, your final thoughts. My prediction, my logical mind is telling me that Kathy Hochul wins, uh, but it is certainly a wake-up call to the Democratic Party. Uh, And the fact that in New York it's so close, that's a national story. That's a really big deal. And I think Democrats have to do a lot of soul-searching, just as the Republicans did in 2012 with the autopsy and all mm-hmm. of that, we're going to yep. have to do our own. How, how are we connecting with real people and what they're actually concerned about? House and Senate, uh, Republican, Democrat, how do you see it? My prediction is it goes, both go for the R's. Oh, really? Both? Yeah, and wow. we're going to yeah. have gridlock in Washington, and it's going to be a lot of political theater, and we're all going to be exhausted by the time the next presidential election comes Republicans around. Republicans with 53 Senate seats. I think Republicans win 27, 28 House seats. And Lee Zeldin wins by two and a half points. There you have it. All right. Write it right. down. Yeah. All right, Laura. Make sure you take Trump's call when he tries to hire you as his next communications director. Right? <laughs> I got to get the false eyelashes. <laughs> Thank you to my crew today. Great job as always. Lou Rapino, Macedonia, Phil, Justin, Ellick, Frankie, Diaz, Deb Valentine, tremendous. Noam Layton. I'll be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to recap this great day. Thanks again. Tremendous work by Laura Corn and Andrew Giuliani. Go vote, folks. Go vote. Go vote. We'll talk tomorrow. Good night, Bernard. I'm back.